Stewart whistling down some penalties here. Radicke and Vern Smith involved in center ice. Mark Radicke of New Haven. Vern Smith of Springfield, our first altercation of the night. Both players now clutching and grabbing. Smitty trying to unleash some right hands. And if he can get free, gets a couple of right uppercuts. Has him down, and now Radicke covers up. And this delights the crowd of 5,061 here at the Civic Center. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card, wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bobcartner goes right to King Flatsenburg. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won mm -hmm. four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Take care of Jason Tucker. This is Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So today, it is September 12th, 2021. We're approximately two hours away from Buffalo Bills opening kickoff. I will get into that in a few minutes. Uh, but first, I'd like to welcome everybody to episode 64, actual episode 82. And today, my guest is Vern Smith as I call him, Springfield hockey legend Vern Smith. And I'll talk about Vern also in a few minutes. But first, as always, uh, well, actually, before I do the but first, as always, I just want to thank everybody for the feedback on the Dean Trebojevic interview. Um, I got quite a few messages from people saying that they had no idea that uh, Turbo, well, I don't want to give it away if you haven't listened, but um, there's, a, there's a little nugget at the, at the end of the interview uh, turbo side of the story about the uh, incident with Jacques Mayotte. And uh, like I say in the interview, I wasn't aware of that. And uh, I, I received quite a few messages from people saying that they also were not aware that that is actually what happened because the story that is out there is something completely different. So uh, for those of you who reached out, I appreciate you listening. Um, but again, I don't want to say what it is in case you haven't listened yet. But if you're familiar with that incident between Dean Trebojevic and Jacques Mayotte, uh, definitely I would give this a listen because you definitely get a uh, turbo side of the story there. So thank you to everybody who reached out uh, after listening to that episode. So as I always ask, if you don't mind, could you please subscribe to the show, like the show, whatever it is on whatever platform you're on. Um, the subscription is free and you never have to go searching for it. It will automatically appear in your podcast feed once I upload the episode. And uh, I mean, really, would you ever want to miss a single episode of this? Come on now, right? 
But uh, but I would say, you know, subscribe if you can, like it if you can. I'd appreciate it. Also, if you have a second, if uh, if you could rate and review the show. I actually don't think all the platforms do rate ratings and reviews. I'm not sure. Um, so maybe I've been talking out of my ass this whole time. But uh, if, if you're the your chosen platform offers a rating system and a chance to review if you could drop a quick review in there and a five-star rating of course but uh if you could do that that would uh that would be great uh it gives the show greater visibility and i'm all for making whatever this is into something as big as possible so i i appreciate your help definitely uh if you have the time to do that thank you very much if you're on social media uh, the show has uh, three accounts on three platforms. On Twitter, the show is at Pod. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles Podcast. And on Instagram, it's Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore Podcast. So if you enjoy the content of the show, you'll get more of that on the social media. On those platforms, on those accounts, I keep it strictly to Islander stuff. So, um, so Islanders enforcer stuff. So, like I said, if you like the content of the show, you may enjoy the social media accounts that go along with the show. So, um, if it's Twitter, if you want to give it a follow, I can follow you back on Facebook, give it a like and on Instagram, uh, follow. So any of that. And like, I always say, I'll return the favor. If you have something that you're doing, or if it's just a personal account, more than happy to follow you back. I'm not one of those people who ask you to follow their account. And when you look, they have 18,000 followers and they follow six people. I, if you're going to ask people to follow you, the least you can do is follow them back. Uh, also, if you're interested in my personal Twitter, it's at Joe underscore Lozito. Not really nothing too serious on there. You know, just uh, I try to have fun with it. I don't take uh, I don't take social media too seriously, um, you know, unlike a lot of people. But uh, also, if you're interested in Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise, scroll down slightly past the episode description of the very episode you're listening to right now. And you will see two links. One link is for the classic logo merchandise. One link is for the uh, alternate logo merchandise. Check it out. Everything you need is in there. T-shirts, hoodies, uh, leggings, totes, socks. Uh, I think masks are in there. Uh, mugs may be in there. I actually don't, I haven't checked the store in a while. But uh, but anything you need, please check it out. And if you are a listener, as you know, every week you get a listener exclusive discount. This week's discount is Vern twenty V E R N two zero. So use code Vern twenty at checkout and get twenty percent off every item that you purchase. And I appreciate you supporting the show via the merchandise route. And the cool thing about those logos is they were done by local Long Island artist, Joe Marisich. You can reach Joe at graphics Joker on Twitter and at loudegg.com. Uh, hockey season's right around the corner. So I'm sure Joe's going to amp up his Islanders tunes on his social media. Uh, football season starts today. I guess technically it started Thursday. I think the Jets start today too, like most teams. And uh, he's a big Jet fan. He does a lot of Jets tunes. So I'm sure he's going to amp that up as well. So um, definitely check out Joe's stuff. He's a great artist and he is available for hire. And he is a tremendous human being. So definitely check out Joe Marisich. A few other podcasts I'd like to tell you about. If you're a regular listener, you already know about them. And you probably listen to them already. 
the Fourth Line Voice podcast with my buddy Darren from Saskatoon. Listen, if you guys want to buy a condo in Saskatoon, he's been trying to sell his condo now for a few months. Uh, if you want to go up there, I, I mean, listen, I, I think I think Saskatchewan is beautiful. It's a little slower paced than New York. If I had the money, I would definitely take it off his hands. But if you're looking to for a change of pace, especially if you're here in New York and you want to try some some uh, slower paced living out in uh, Saskatchewan, Darren has a nice condo for sale, so definitely reach out to him. When he's not trying to sell that condo, he does the Fourth Line Voice podcast. Now, it's Sunday morning. I have not listened yet, but today he did his Sunday shit show. I love the Sunday shit shows. They always make me laugh. I kind of wish he was part three of his Paul Ferone interview. He just released uh, parts one and two of that interview, and it was unbelievable. I'm a big fan of uh, Ferone. I find him uh, grossly underrated and um, probably not a better person to do the Paul Ferone interview than Darren. It was tremendous. So if you're a fan of old school hockey or the old dub, uh, you know, he played, Ferone played in the American League. He played overseas. Just just a, a solid, tough guy. Like I say, Italian, North American, uh, you know, real tough guy. Oh, you know, dub Seattle, Portland. I don't have to sell this interview to you folks. It was a it was a tremendous interview. So check out Darren's two part interview with Paul Ferone. Check out his back catalog, and definitely check out the Sunday Shit Show. I'm sure I will listen to it at some point today or tomorrow, and uh, I'm sure I'll laugh my ass off like I always do. And uh, also, what is it? YouTube. YouTube has been taking off a lot of hockey fight content lately, which I think is absolute bullshit. But one channel that has survived thus far is the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. Over 2,500 fights on that channel. Chances are, if you have watched a hockey fight on YouTube, it has been on the Fourth Line Voice YouTube channel. You do search by team, by fighter, by league, whatever it is. Darren, pretty much holds your hand throughout the whole thing. I'd say it's foolproof, but there's a lot of fools out there. So who the hell knows, but definitely check it out. Check out the fourth line voice podcast. And while you're doing that, also check out the five for fighting podcast with Alec Olin sailing down in land of lakes, Florida. Um, Alec did not release an episode this week. And I think I saw a tweet yesterday where he said, Oh wow. I just realized I didn't release an episode. And I don't think he recorded an episode on Friday. What, uh, what Alex has been doing lately, he's been going live on Facebook and the enforcer appreciation page. And, um, Either he's going live solo or he's had some guests. And uh, then what he does is he releases it later in the week. So I don't think he did a live episode this week. So uh, I'm not sure. Not sure what's going on. He might be spending all that money that he got for that Frank Bialois uh, Danbury Trasher jersey. Alec hit the jackpot with that one. Good for him. Uh, so, uh, so maybe that's what it was. Maybe he took a trip to Europe. I have no idea. But uh, but check out Alex's back catalog while we're waiting for a new episode. Tons and tons of fantastic content there. Definitely give it a listen. And the aforementioned Enforcer Appreciation page, check that out too. Join up. Um, really, really good page. Good group. Lots of the former players are in there. Some really knowledgeable fight fans. And uh, we're trying to weed out the idiots. Uh, obviously, there's always going to be one or two that slide through. But... It's becoming a more and more pleasant place to be around by uh, by either weeding them out or preventing them getting in from the start. But, I mean, if you're a fight fan, I don't know if there's a better hockey fight group on Facebook than the Enforcer Appreciation page. Alec does a great job with that. So uh, check out his show. Check out the page. Also, the Bucket Drop podcast, which is currently in hiatus, 
with Bobby Longgrass. Should be back soon. He has given me no indication that he has put it to bed again. So I'm guessing within a month, uh, you're going to, well, this month, training camps are going to open and he's going to have some uh, some reports on his Montreal Canadiens. Focuses mostly on Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto. Focuses on combat sports and betting. 15, 20-minute episodes. You're running errands. You can listen to it in the car while you're doing it. Make the time go by. Definitely check out the Bucket Drop podcast. Now you've seen it on my Twitter. Every day I post it. The GoFundMe. My friend Steve is trying to bring back a bigger, better, better. Drop your gloves. What an invaluable resource. Resource. What an invaluable resource that was to the hockey fight community. And it's gone. And it's gone with for no rhyme or reason. So Steve, and as I always say, there is no better man for this project than Steve. Did some research. It's going to cost about ten grand to get that site back up. And not that site back up, a better version of the site. And uh, right now, I think it's about 5400 So we're about $4,600 shy. Sort of hit a wall here. Um, just want to remind you again, if you can donate, please do. And if you can't donate, please go to my Twitter page and retweet the GoFundMe. Because if you can't donate, maybe someone on your timeline can. And, you know, if you're a hockey fight fan, I'd like to think we're all you know, one community, we can all try to help each other out. So, uh, like I said, if you can't donate a retweet, uh, retweet is free. So please check that out as well. So I'm going to make fun of myself right now. Last week in my intro for the turbo interview, I spoke about, uh, the hot topic, which was the, uh, Danbury trashers documentary on Netflix. And of course, when I was done recording, I said, did I say the right name? Did I call it crime and punishment? And then when uh, I uploaded the episode and I listened, sure as shit, I called it crime and punishment. So obviously, if you're a hockey fight fan, you're well aware of this documentary and you more than likely have watched it already. But in case you were listening to me for guidance, the name of the documentary is called Untold. It's part of the Untold series. There's been some really good documentaries in that Untold series. Obviously, the Danbury one is the best. It's the part of the Untold series, and it's called Crime and Penalties, not Crime and Punishment. Obviously, personally, I am. I don't, I don't, it's weird to say I'm into Crime and Punishment. I'm more into the punishments for the criminals uh, than anything else. I, I think uh, everyone needs to be held accountable for their actions. So, um, yeah, that's why I guess it was just a Freudian slip saying crime and punishment, but the documentary is called Crime and Penalties. Uh, AJ Galante's face is all over the the promos, the previews. Uh, just a tremendous, tremendous documentary. And, you know, like I said last week, really, the documentary was made for the mainstream, for the hardcore hockey fight fan. We all know that could have been a 10-part series. But, I mean, if you haven't watched it yet, get off your ass and watch that. It was unbelievable. And, um, you know, I, I'm sure you're going to like it. I, I would absolutely um, guarantee that you will like that if you're a hockey fight fan. Uh, something else I want to say a little on the serious side. So um, last week I went I went off a little bit uh, about 
the vaccine because I had to get it and my, my family had to get it. And uh, in case you didn't listen, I'm, I wasn't happy about it. And uh, in New York, especially New York City, if you don't have the vaccine, you probably can't even use a bathroom. Like it's, it's ridiculous. You can't go in anywhere. And uh, my job is in New York City and the schools are mandating the vaccines. And, uh, you know, I'm not anti-vax. I just, uh, I wasn't keen on getting it, but I was forced to get it. And I know it's all semantics. People, you know, smart asses will say, well, you weren't forced to get it. You could always move. You could always enroll your kids in different schools. I mean, come on, use your head. That That's idiotic to say. So I actually received a message from a friend of mine, and it's a friend through social media. I've never met him in person. I haven't had the pleasure. Hopefully one day. I think we have a lot of things in common. And um, he had posted something in his um, Instagram story, and I, I had uh, – seen it i was just blitzing through everyone's instagram stories and he messaged me and it was it was cool that he did it you know uh just wanted wanted me to know that the stuff he said in there wasn't directed towards me he didn't want me to take offense to any of it and you know i thought it was really cool and i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is i'd like to think the person that you're hearing right now is who i really am i I, this is not anything where i'm a character uh this is who i really am I, i everything i i this is how i speak um, you know, I curse a lot in real life, I, I, but I'd like to think I'm as honest as the day is long. So when I say, and when I said last week, if you're into the vaccine, get the vaccine. If you're not into the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. I mean that. I, I, I don't, I have enough of my own shit to worry about than who's getting vaccinated and who's not getting vaccinated. So I have friends that waited online to get this vaccine when it first came out. And I have friends who they're going to have, if they have to get vaccine, they better bring an army because they don't want to get the vaccine. And you know what? They're all my friend. I don't align myself with people based on their political beliefs or anything else like that. And, you know, I, this vaccine has become political, whether you like it or not. And and actually I was thinking about it today because I remember back when I actually was working and I was working two jobs. I worked security at night. And I babysat a building, basically. And the, we had a TV, and there weren't a lot of channels. So I was stuck watching the news a lot of the time. And when Trump was president and he was talking about the vaccine, I remember a lot of the politicians on the left saying that they would never get the, any vaccine that was touted by Trump. And you really have to do your due, due diligence. And, you know, they're hesitant to get it. They absolutely would not get it. Well, then what happens now? The election happens. Now Trump's not president anymore. And now the same politicians that say they would never get it, now they're ramming it down your throat. So it's a political thing for a lot of people. And I totally, totally understand that because it really just depends on what agenda you have. My concern for for a lot of the population is not whether you want to be vaccinated or not. It's how you, you put these politicians on a pedestal. And they're all scum. I mean, they are like... I get people didn't like Trump and I get people don't like Biden, but they're all shitty. They're all out for themselves. They're all out for their own agenda. And when I see people posting stuff about politicians on social media, it scares me because these are not deities. They're just human beings. And they're, they're just, and just remember politics is a dirty game. And the higher you go up in the ladder, those are the more necks that you had to step on to get there. So, I don't really give a fuck if you're vaccinated or not. You you do you and 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 please, I mean that. 
I honestly mean that. I don't care if you're vaccinated or not. If you love being vaccinated, then love being vaccinated. And if you're never going to get vaccinated, then don't get vaccinated. It does not change my opinion. If we're friends, we're friends. That's it. I don't change my friendships based on how you feel about politics or vaccinations or anything. And I know it's unfortunate that a lot of people have, but you know, I thought it was a cool message that I got. And uh, obviously we chatted and I laughed about it because I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. Really. When I, when I just, I don't really care about things until it affects me. I, and you may think that's selfish and so be it. This whole vaccine stuff was pretty much static in my head until it came down to the fact that I need to support my family. And I had to get the shots and my kids need to go to school, so they needed to get it. So that's when it affects me. That's when I start caring. So you can call me selfish, that's fine. But until it affects, directly affects members of this household, it is what it is. But I just wanted to basically tell everybody, I don't care about you, your life, how you live your life. You do what you want to do. I like to be a private person. I like to live my life. I don't want people sticking their nose in my business. And I don't like to stick my nose in your business. So just, I promise you, if we're friends, we're friends. You be yourself. Don't change who you are to think that I want to hear anything a certain way. I'm cool with you. We're cool. We're friends. And I'd like to think I'm a good friend. So you just keep doing what you're doing. Worry about yourself. I'll worry about me. And we're all good. So there you go. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about football for a second. Uh, as Darren mentioned in his episode last week, yeah, rough, uh, rough week for the Labor Day Classic for uh, for myself and all uh, of Rider Nation. Uh, really, really bad game. Uh, maybe the ugliest game that I've seen in the, I guess now is it three or four seasons? You know, you got to count the one that didn't happen uh, as a Rough Riders fan. And then they followed it up yesterday with a horrific banjo bowl. Uh, right now it's obvious uh, Winnipeg, they're a pretty good fucking team. And I hate to say that because I don't know if Aaron Asham listens to all my episodes or any of them, but he's a Bombers fan, you know, being born in Winnipeg. But they're they're a good fucking team. One thing I want to say, and, and I'm going to preface it by saying this because I know so many people, they like to blame the officials. Winnipeg was winning that game yesterday no matter what. They're a better team. Uh, Saskatchewan had guys out due to injury. They had a couple of uh, – one suspension, A.C. Leonard – Submit your fucking piss or whatever it is. If you're going to get caught, you're going to get caught. I mean, that that was stupid. Um, but they had guys out due to injury and suspension. Winnipeg, you know, the way the game was going. And, and Saskatchewan can't kill themselves enough with stupid penalties. But at a certain point in the game, Andrew Harris, and the, well, after a touchdown, there's a scrum in the end zone. And Andrew Harris grabs the face mask of Christian Campbell, rips the helmet off his head. Okay, so be it. Andrew Harris, I don't know if he's supposed to be a big, tough guy or whatever. Christian Campbell is listed at six foot 193. Now, right next to Christian Campbell, <laughs> see, I always have to make it about fighting, right? It's not even about football. Um, right next to Christian Campbell was Micah Johnson. Now, if you're not familiar with Micah Johnson, he's small for a building. But he's a big human being. He's listed at 6'2", 280. Now, Andrew Harris had his pick of who he wanted to go after at that moment. He chose Christian Campbell. Not impressive to me. And I don't know anything about Christian Campbell. What I do know is Christian Campbell 
Doesn't look like he could do as much damage as Micah Johnson, who honestly is a scary-looking human being. But if you're going to play the role and you're going to act like you're so fucking tough, I would have more respect for what Andrew Harris did if he would have tried to do that with Micah Johnson, but (laughs) he probably wouldn't be breathing today. But anyway, I just found that funny how uh, Andrew Harris picked uh, Campbell and not Micah Johnson. And also, on that whole scrum, the Riders had two guys kicked out. And again, I'm going to say it again, the Riders did not lose because of the officiating. It didn't help, but they didn't lose because of the officiating. But one of my new favorite players this year is a defensive lineman named Garrett Marino. Garrett Marino slapped the quarterback on the helmet, like literally slapped him. And he gets thrown out for that. But Andrew Harris rips the helmet off of uh, Christian Campbell, and he gets nothing. I mean, come on. You got to be a little consistent here. But anyway, I just wanted to say it. Clearly, Winnipeg is a better team at this point. Riders have a lot of shit to do, a lot of work to do to get their, get everything shored up. It's still, I guess it's a quarter of the way or a third of the way through the season. But uh, but that's my that's my CFL take. Uh, I'm not overly concerned right now, but Winnipeg is certainly making a case for um, being the best team in the league. And as I said earlier, today is opening day in the NFL, I guess with the exception of whoever's playing tomorrow. I don't know and uh, Tampa and Dallas. So in approximately an hour and a half, the Bills will kick off against Pittsburgh. And uh, I can't wait. It's been a very long off season. Uh, I listen to a few Bills podcasts and follow a few Bills reporters. And I guess, I guess they're considered reporters, but uh, I didn't know if analysts, whatever on Twitter and the, the whole COVID thing, it just was like enough already. It was every week. It was COVID, 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 Cole Beasley, Josh Allen, this and that, Micah Hyde, um, Jordan Poirier. I, I'm sorry, I threw Hyde in there. I don't know. But uh, every week it was just the same fucking shit. So now I'm finally happy that we can get to the games. And uh, I'm really pumped for this season. Of course, I'm picking the Bills to win the Super Bowl. I do it every year. I haven't been right yet, but. I think, you know, I'm not even going to say it. I don't want to jinx it, but they are my prediction to win the Super Bowl. So hopefully that that happens this year. But I can't wait hour and a half from now. I'm going to watch the Bills kick off and hopefully hopefully kick the Steelers ass. So we'll see what happens. As I said last week, as you know, I collect uh, hockey gear, game use gear, game use equipment, helmets, jerseys, sticks, gloves, um, always looking for stuff like today's guest, for instance, Vern Smith. I don't have anything of Vern Smith. Uh, If you have a stick, a helmet, gloves, jersey, whatever it is that you may have, if if you look in the sell it or or get rid of it, definitely um, reach out to me. I could definitely use some Vern Smith gear for my collection. And uh, as I said, I'm going to say this every week until until it's found. Hopefully it's found. Um, years and years ago, Fairmore Sports had a bunch of Islander jerseys that were worn by uh, a lot of the rookies in training camp and in exhibition games. And uh, he had two number 48 jerseys, the home and the road. I only bought the road, and I don't know why, and I'm still kicking myself to this day. So if you are a collector and you see the old-style Islander jersey from – you know, the, the mid eighties, you know, the, the, you know, what it, Pat LaFontaine style, Mick Vakota style, although Mick wore a bunch of them, uh, that style Jersey from the, from the late, you know, mid eighties to nineties, number 48, my guess is the name on back has been removed 
because uh, a lot of them had name on back removal. So I can't be sure, but I, I would think it is. It's a home white Islanders jersey, number 48. I am looking for that jersey. I would love to find it. Obviously, I would love any Dean Ewan gear, any Dean Ewan jerseys. Always looking for it. But uh, that Islander jersey is a priority at the moment. So getting to my guest today, Vern Smith. Now, Vern Smith lived the dream, played pro hockey, played a game for the Islanders, one game at Nassau Coliseum, uh, defensive pairing with Gordy Lane. And, um, you know, and as I call him, he's a Springfield hockey legend. So if you look at the modern era of the Springfield Indians, and by that I mean 1975 to 1994, like I say in the interview with Vern, um, he's the all-time leader in games played with uh, 316. And I know some guys would say, well, you don't want to take pride in that. Um, but you know, like, like for me, I'm thinking that's the second best league in the world. Uh, he played an NHL game and I'm sure Vern would, would want to have played more, but, uh, for me as a fan, I don't look at 316 games with the Springfield Indians as a negative because, uh, Vern definitely made an impact on the team. He made an impact on the community. And, um, so he is the modern era Springfield all-time leader in games played with 316. He's ranked 14th all-time. Well, 14th in the modern era in assists with 89, and he's eighth all time in the modern era in penalty minutes with 455. So, Vern, you know, I, I when I call him a Springfield hockey legend, I'm being dead serious. I know, Ver, and Vern has made Springfield his home, married a gal from Springfield. Um, I know he's very active, I believe, with the uh, Springfield Hockey Heritage Society. I think he does a lot of their events. Um, so, if you don't know a lot about Vern, I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you learn a lot of things. Uh, you know, great guy. I'm very happy that uh, he gave me the time. And uh, hopefully it hopefully it was painless for him. I know I had a great time. He said he had a good time. So, uh, so Vern, if, oh, oh, God, by the way, Vern's son, I, he goes by Willie Smith, but I think his name is, his actual name is Wyland. This kid, I mean, he played, I didn't realize he had played pro hockey for a while. But he's doing music now, and I, I don't know if he's doing it as a hobby. I think Vern said he's kind of doing it as a hobby. He's getting back into it. If you're like me and you can't listen to the radio anymore because most of the music sucks ass, this kid's got talent. You know, it's nice when you actually hear someone who can sing and play an instrument as opposed to everything being, uh, you know, off a keyboard or off a soundboard, or whatever. I mean, this kid's got a lot of talent. So um, I know, I think he uses mostly Spotify. And uh, so check, you know, look for Wyland Smith. I apologize that I don't, I don't have the uh, actual account name, but it's good music. It's mellow music. And I really hope that um, he creates some more music. I definitely would, uh, I hope this is something he pursues and maybe at some point he starts, uh, he does it for a living and I'd love to see him play live here uh, on Long Island or in the city. So, so, um, you know, check out, obviously listen, enjoy the Vern Smith interview, but when you're done listening to this, check out some of Wyland Smith's music too. I think you will enjoy it. So, uh, that's enough of me. Let's get down the business here with Mr. Vern Smith. Today is uh, a really good day for me. It's a day that uh, I've been looking forward to. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you know that uh, I'm a big fan of the Springfield Indians, and uh, I have a list of guys that I definitely want to interview. And uh, my guest today, really, you can't do a show uh, that involves the Islanders or Springfield or, or Capital District, let's say, without talking 
uh, about this man here today. Uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, my guest is Vern Smith. And uh, Vern Smith is uh, the all-time leader in games played in the modern era Springfield Indians. Uh, Springfield's been around a long time, and there are a lot of guys who I think played their entire career down there. But if you go from 75 to 94, he's the all-time leader he's played. He's 14th in assists. And he's eighth all-time in penalty minutes with 455. So, uh, Vern Smith, welcome to the penalty box. Uh, nice, nice to be here, Joe. Good to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much for uh, for appearing. So, uh, my first question I generally ask, uh, but you have to get a question before that. As I was doing my research, I, I saw that. Some places had you being born in Winnipeg, and some places had you being born in Lynch. So, uh, you know, settle this. Where was Vern Smith born? Uh, Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was born there, but we only lived there for three years, and then we moved out west after that. Um, lived in uh, Kelowna, B.C. for a while, Edmonton, and then, uh, but the bulk of it, both of my childhood was in uh, Lethbridge. So that's probably why uh, that showed up there. And if I had a time machine and I can go back in time and see a young Vern Smith uh, as, a, as a kid, rink or on the pond, uh, who was Vern Smith at that time? And uh, by that, I mean, if you were able to see me as a kid on Long Island, uh, I always wanted to be Clark Gillies. I wanted to be Bob Nystrom. Uh, who did Vern Smith want to be as a kid? Uh, earliest recollection, uh, I guess, uh, probably be I started playing pretty regular up in Edmonton. I mean, we had, uh, we lived in the north side and uh, there was just, uh, you know, there was a ton of uh, outdoor rinks. And uh, so we were, my brothers and I, we were out there pretty much every day. And uh, it was always one of those interesting things with outdoor rinks. Like you had to, uh, you had to get there and then you had to be, uh, you had to be good enough to play out there, you know, so because they get packed pretty fast. And, uh, so you wanted to, uh, you know, get included in playing. So it wasn't like you could just jump out there anytime, especially if there was some, you know, my older brother and, and some of his friends were playing, you know, and you're always kind of, uh, aspire to be as good as your older brother or, and, and their friends. Cause they were older and they were better. So I always wanted to be out with those guys, but they wouldn't always let me out there. <laughs> That's the perils of being the kid brother. Yeah, yeah. But at, at the time, uh, going back to your question there, I mean, I really, one of my favorite players, and it still is today, was uh, Gilbert Perrault. You know, whether I was playing uh, street hockey or, or you know, on the pond or, or on the outdoor ranks. I mean, uh, he, was, he was one of the guys that I... I, I really enjoyed watching and, and you didn't get to see him that much right. at that time because mostly Canada, CBC, it was either, you know, it was Montreal or Toronto. Uh, they were on every night for hockey night in Canada or every Saturday. So <clears throat> whenever I get a chance and Buffalo was playing either one of those teams, I always wanted to, I always like watching him. He was just such a tremendous skater. He was so smooth he was just, he, he was one of the best, you know, he's one of the best all time, as you know, but yeah. uh, at the time being a kid, just, just watching him uh, fly around the ice was, uh, was something that I really enjoyed. It's, it's crazy because he was, you know, for, for people that aren't old enough to have watched him play, I mean, smooth is the word. I mean, he's such a great player. And I think as, as time goes on and the, and the stats, 
in the league just become more and more crazy. And I'll, I'll liken it to baseball where the home run stats just blow up. And then you have guys that played in the 60s and 80s that weren't, say, juicing, for lack of a better word, that put up good numbers, but they're never going to compare to guys like Barry Bonds, let's say. Those those players kind of get forgotten. And as great a player as Perot was, I mean, I, I, you could almost say he's underrated in a way, don't you think? Uh, yeah, somewhat. I mean, I, and I think it, if I remember correctly at the time, I mean, uh, Buffalo was an expansion and, and I think they got the first pick or whatever. Otherwise he, he would have definitely been picked by Montreal. You know, we would have seen him oh, yeah. uh, playing for the Canadians for sure, especially being a French Canadian. Yeah. Him and Guy Lafleur on the ice at the same time would be pretty frightening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, uh, yeah, it was incredible to watch in that, in that line with, uh, Rene Robert and, and uh, Richard Martin was just, you know, one of the best all time. So uh, I want to start your career and uh, I want to start with your time in the Western League. And uh, I always like to ask uh, guests about some of their teammates that they played with. And they're generally the tougher teammates based on the theme of my show. Uh, and one of the things I found most interesting is, is uh, in 81, 82, when you played in Lethbridge, you actually played with three Sutters, uh, Brent, Rich and Ron. Uh, what was that like? It was, uh, it was, it was great. I mean, uh, I had just come out of midget hockey, so it was my first year jumping in, and you know, into the Western League, and and it was, uh, it was a step for sure, and and uh, you know, getting into that age bracket where now you're you're seventeen, but there's you know, this guy's twenty and. Uh, years old, and and most of the guys, you know, every, just about everybody was older, except for a couple of, you know, some rookies in the league. Um, but it was uh, it was something playing with those guys. They were uh, as tough as nails, as everybody knows, and and just gritty and committed and serious, and uh, they were uh, fun to play with. And, you know, you learn a lot from them. You know, you learn a lot from uh, teammates like that, uh, especially Brent. Brent was uh, well, they all were really good leaders but brent was just uh, my first real uh true leader that that i had experienced up to that point um another player that was uh, a teammate of yours later down the road uh, a physical defenseman gerald didick what was he like in the western league uh same he kind of came in right he was one year younger than me so he came in right around the same time but he would be in a 16 year old that first year he didn't play as 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 much, but he certainly, uh, just based on his toughness and his, his desire, uh, you know, really, uh, picked it up in a, in a, you know, probably the second half of the year and, and was playing a lot more. And we ended up, I think being D partners here and there throughout that. Uh, he was a great guy, you know, he's, <clears throat> you know, all those guys are, you know, they're still friends to this day. I mean, anybody that you play with pretty much, you, you stay that way. And uh, just based on that, you can see, you know, his determination and toughness. He was going to be a uh, pretty good player. Um, another guy who, uh, if you blinked, you missed his Islanders tenure. Uh, what was it like playing with a young Troy Loney? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, same thing. I mean, one of those guys on that, that team, I and mean, we had just a, a, a tremendous group. And uh, Troy played on the wing with the with Ron and Rich, and that was just another, just real tough, 
uh, gritty line. I mean, Troy was a hard worker and, and was the same was like those other guys. You know, I think you ha- can't help but be like that when you're around them, uh, really determined, you know, mm-hmm. always working after practice and uh, just a real stand up guy, good character. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed playing with him. He was tough, too. He was tough, man. He could stand in there. Uh, I remember we uh, we used to do some uh, some drills and practice with uh, with uh, boxing gloves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a classic. You know, we we circle around center ice and uh, and and they just coach would pick two and, and you jump into the middle and put on the gloves and and these are those old boxing gloves, so they get a little wet, you know, from being on the ice <laughs> in the snow. So they were pretty heavy and. I remember he freaking clocked me, man. <laughs> and when we had to go, and and I was seeing stars. Like, it was just, like, one of those things. But you just kind of tried to stay in there because you had to kind of go until, uh, you know, either somebody was bleeding or, or somebody got knocked down three times. I think that was the rule. <laughs> <laughs> well, could you imagine if someone tried to do that nowadays? It'd be, uh, uh, it, it'd it, be all us. over the news. Yeah, some of that stuff was pretty wild. But, you know, everything was closed doors. I mean, yeah. in practice in the morning, there's really nobody in the rink. And, right. you know, there was kind of a free-for-all out there. Practice was pretty intense. Uh, the last guy I want to ask you about is someone who I'm really intrigued by. And I have been trying to research because I would love to reach out to him and get him on the show. But there's just there's nothing out there on this guy besides his stats. I talked to Kevin Devine about him. And uh, I think he was a couple of years older than you, but that's Mark Magnan. Oh boy. Yeah. 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 And he was, he was, he was probably, you know, uh, just based on overall toughness. He had to be our, he had to be our toughest guy. Mm-hmm. There was no doubt about it. Mags was, uh, he, he was awesome. You know, and he was, he was older at the time and he was, he was great, you know, to young guys like myself. He was, he was a great teammate and he just, you really, uh, really knew you, you, you could count on him and you felt good about, you know, jumping on the ice when, when Mags was on the ice because you knew nothing crazy was going to happen. He was going to step in and take care of business. Uh, if anything crazy was going to happen, it probably would be his doing. Well, that too. I mean, they, you know, so, so these guys, like when you, when you talk about this, these tough guys, like they, you know, they not only knew their role, but they, they also had a, just a, a trigger switch that just went from zero to a hundred real fast. Yeah. And, and when he was gone, he was, there was no stopping him. You know, they just, they, they it would take a couple of guys to get him off somebody. He was, he was awesome to watch. It was it was an eye opener for a young guy like me, for sure. So, Vern, the thing about your career that's interesting is is fighting was just one of the things that you did. It wasn't your primary job, uh, but coming up, it, growing up through your you know your hockey journey in Western Canada, it was part of it. And even though you weren't uh, you weren't the top guy on any of the Western League teams. Uh, talk about some of the rivalries you had. I know uh, you had mentioned that you played teams like Calgary and Medicine had 16 times each. And even for someone who isn't one of the primary tougher players, I'm I'm assuming after 16 games or in the middle of 16 games, everybody's getting involved. At a certain point, yeah, there's this, you know, just through sheer, you know, frequency of, of, of events, you know, things that happen. Um, on the ice, uh, there was always something getting stirred up, uh, you know, game after game. So, but we had, you know, at that time, and then, like I said, it was an eye opener for me, 
uh, at 17. And, you know, I'd come out of, you know, Bantam and Midget. And all I was doing, you know, especially in Midget, was just wheeling around with the puck. You know, I was really getting into too many skirmishes. I think maybe I had one fight in in Midget and, you know, it didn't, it didn't go over well. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was just like one of those things where you kind of did it, but you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And and that kind of carried over into that that first year there, too. And there wasn't, I didn't get too many scraps, but, you know, the skirmishes and, and things like that, you really, you really kind of had to learn as you went. You know, it wasn't like, you know, some guys would kind of pull you aside and help you out and, and try to tell you what to do. But, I mean, once you're getting going, it's just like, it's all just reaction stuff. So you, you, you kind of learn as you're getting pummeled, I guess. It's, <laughs> it's the, it's definitely on the job. It's the one thing. There are so many things you can learn and so many skills you can acquire uh, by research or by studying. Fighting's one of those things that you really can't get better at it until you're actually in the fray. That's absolutely true. You know, and uh, but like I said, I mean, most of the time at that time, like there was, we had those other guys. Um, and a few others. Uh, one guy, you know, J.C. Mewen was, was another tough dude, mm. you know, they played with on that team and, you know, among others. But those guys were taking care of most of the situations, you know. Uh, Randy Moeller, another mm. tough guy, yep. you know what I mean? Uh, Marty Ruff, you know, it was just, it was a, you kind of had an endless list of guys <laughs> that could really, could really go yeah. when they needed to. So uh, your first year, a very impressive year. You know, keep in mind for people that aren't familiar with Vern, who were defensemen, uh, five goals, 38 assists, 43 points. And now this is your draft year. So obviously, um, you know, 40 years ago, the uh, the draft coverage and the, you know, whatever you want to put under that draft umbrella is a universe different than what it is nowadays with cable and with the internet and stuff. So, um when did you start hearing whispers that uh, you were going to get drafted? Because um, you were actually ranked 12th in the hockey news for WHL draft prospects. So was that something you started hearing mid-season or was it not until after the year? No, I think it, 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 it just started, yeah, like you said, probably in the midway through. Like I was, I was starting to feel, you know, play your games as they say, you know, starting to feel pretty good out there on the ice and then feel comfortable with who you're playing against. And it's like, Hey, I can play you better or, or as good or better than and most of these guys. So, um, you start feeling that, that confidence. And, uh, and at the time, uh, the coach I had, John Chapman, he, 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 he instilled a lot of that confidence in me and, uh, and, you know, it just kind of took off from there. So once you start kind of hearing the rumblings there, then, uh, you know, you start to get a, an idea, but it was still just, you know, a long ways away, but you know, you're it's certainly in the back of your mind and, and, you know, every kid's goal is, to, you know, not only get drafted, but try to make it, you know, to the pros for sure. Uh, what teams did you, uh, did your interview with? Uh, I, and I'm guessing, I don't know at the time if they were in-person <coughs> interviews or phone interviews, but uh, what teams did you interview with? And uh, was there one team that really stood out that they were hot and heavy for you? Well, well, you know what? There wasn't. I, I I don't remember getting interviewed by anybody. To okay. tell you the truth, mm-hmm. but what what there was was kind of worked through agents. So it was my first experience with with getting an agent. So once 
once I met with an agent, then they kind of told you, you know, who was interested and, and, um, who was asking about you and things like that, you know, and to tell you the truth, like off the top of my head, I can't remember who the other teams were, Mm -hmm. but I know there was a couple, but I got one of the, uh, well, Brent, Brent gave me a heads up as well, probably right around that time that he said the Islanders were, were the most interested, or they said they were, you know, they had a, I had a pretty good chance of going to them. So I had a kind of an inkling mm-hmm. that that may happen. So that was my kind of first exposure to it. And then from there, it was just, you know, communication kind of through your agent and, and really nothing else. You didn't really talk to, you know, the teams per se. You know, like I don't remember getting interviewed before the draft or anything like that. Okay. Um, and then tell me about draft day. Well, that, that was kind of interesting because at, at that point, like it was, I was coming up to the draft time. And, and you know, you, unless, and this is what my agent told me anyway. And, and you know, I was just a, I was a young, naive kid. But um, he told me, unless you're going in the, guaranteed in the first round he said i'm not going to have you you know fly down to the draft or whatever you know so it seemed likely i was going to drop into the second but whatever i it didn't really matter to me so i wasn't as enthusiastic about you know like it is now where you know everybody goes to the draft and in the stands and stuff it wasn't like that at all so and plus i had like my senior year grade 12 and and i had finals oh so (laughs) So on the, on draft day, I was actually in in the testing center taking a final exam, and I got I got pulled out of there uh, down to the office uh, with a call. That call was uh, from my agent, telling me I got drafted. Oh, so wow. it was pretty exciting. That's it was a pretty, pretty exciting good, hearing that. Yeah, I was say it's a pretty good day of high school. You think you're just going <laughs> yeah, in there yeah. to take a test, and they find out, hey, I got picked by the Islanders. Yeah, and I, I don't even think I finished the test, but <laughs> but I think I was. I think I got excused. Uh, they just said, "Yeah, I will. Don't worry about it. You can, you can. Uh, we'll just kind of write this one off." So, um, I think there was enough. You know, like I had enough. You know, going into it, uh, I don't think it was totally necessary. But anyway, mm-hmm. that was uh, that was how that whole day uh, kind of panned out. Started there in the morning or afternoon. I I can't even remember. Yeah. And. Uh, then from there, that w- that was it. Once it was drafted, it was uh, it was a pretty great day. I need to know this. You're one year. You have one year in the Western League. You get drafted by the Islanders. Now, you go to training camp with the Islanders, I assume, and you're walking in to the locker room in the middle of, in my opinion, the greatest dynasty that that ever lived. And you're walking into this room and you see all these players that I'm sure you watched on T. And obviously, you're familiar with the Sutters, but what is it like as a kid walking into that locker room? This the, the whole the whole trip. Like I had never really been anywhere, so I was I was flying from you know Lethbridge up to or Calgary basically, and then getting into uh, getting into New York, and you know I I really I was pretty wide eyed. I, I I did I wasn't prepared for for anything really. I didn't know what to expect. Um, so first. First example was like I guess you you land and they got these shuttles and then they take you to the hotel and all this stuff and I didn't know what I was doing I was I walked out and I just got in a cab 
right? Because <laughs> that's the first thing I saw. I didn't right. know you were supposed to grab a shuttle. And so it ended up being kind of funny later because when I turned in my, my receipt, you know, I think those shuttles were like seven bucks or something. But my my taxi ride out there was like 50 bucks. And, you know, so they, they <laughs> and the guy, the guy was like, he was scary. Like he was like one of those, uh, you know, like, like you see that cab driver that, turns around and uh, escape from New York. I mm-hmm. mean, he was, he was like one of those, type, you know, the grizzled old guy. And yep. he, when I told him, I, had to, I didn't really know the landscape or anything. And when I told him I had to go to Long Island, he looked at me, he said, you better have the fucking money. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was the first thing he said. And I was oh. like, oh, yeah, 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 I got it. I got it. So, <laughs> uh, welcome to New York. Yeah, yeah. That was my first experience there. It was pretty wild. So then, you get there and you get checked in and uh, you're with a bunch of other guys. You don't really see some of those other guys till, till later until you show up to the rink. Um, but it was it, it was pretty cool. And they were all, I, I can't remember having really one bad interaction with, with any of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, all all the players there, you know, those guys that had been there for so long and, and uh, you know, all the top guys, they were very welcoming and, and really nice and, it was. Uh, it, it made things uh, a lot easier going into it. And uh, I'm assuming this would be your first time meeting Al Arbor. Ah, uh, yeah. What uh, What are your memories of Al? Al was just uh, like he was. He was. Uh, he was. He was really nice, but you could tell like his presence was just like he. It kind of struck you right away, and his in his tone, um, and his seriousness. You know, it was like. I mean, he was he was all business right from the get go. And, and he kind of let you know that, you know, mm-hmm. that this is what, this is what you're here for, you know, you know, welcoming and, and all that stuff and nice to have you and, and all that. But then, you know, now it's time to get to work. And and I, I personally, I think I was, it, it caught me off guard and I was just, I was probably ill prepared for, for what I was going to experience there for sure. And I think people sometimes, you know, like a lot of times when you see pictures of coaches, they're behind the bench, and you see Al, and he's got the glasses. I don't know if a lot of people that have never met him realize he's a pretty big man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No doubt. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an imposing figure. That's that's for sure. And, uh, you know, and then you, then you hear from some of the veteran guys and just like, you know, whenever you're around here, whenever you're around the ring, be on, you know, be, um, you know, be serious, be prepared, be professional. Don't miss anything. Don't be late. Don't, don't, you know, just don't act up. Don't be out of line. Cause even if he's not in the room, he's around, yep. you know, and they, they called him uh, radar for a reason. Cause yep. he, he knew everything. He knew everything. So that was, one of the first, you know, kind of heads up I got from uh, some of the veteran guests. So after going through that first training camp, and and like I said, you're play, you're in camp with the champions. Uh, now you go back to Lethbridge. Uh, how different did the game, did the junior game look after being around these champions for a few weeks there? It was it was like uh, it wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't so much different. It was just more that uh, I'm here. Uh, I feel more more established so to speak and i feel like you know now i can really start looking ahead to the to the next step mm-hmm. um and then you know from there it was just like you were supposed to kind of 
really take off that that second year, you know, and I think it, it didn't quite go as smoothly as it should have, but I think we rounded by the third year and kind of got back on track, but you can e- easily get off the rails. And, and I think I did that, that second year, I think I got a little comfortable and that was just the wrong approach to take. Uh, when you went back to Lethbridge, you had another uh, physically imposing uh, player there as a new teammate um, who had an, an extraordinary NHL career, and that's Mark Tenorti. What do you remember about a young tin man? Uh, same thing. He, he came in at 16 and really was uh, really involved himself and integrated himself uh, right off the bat. And, you know, he wasn't the most, uh, you know, grateful out there let's say but he was he had a heart as big as anybody and uh just just a tremendous worker and and uh just a fun guy to be around he he was funny too you know he was a character um but the, but the guys loved him and and when you get into a uh come into a team and 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 the guys embrace you right away uh you know you got something pretty good going uh, and then it looks like around midway through the season, ended up being traded to Nanaimo uh, for another tough defenseman, Bob Rouse. Uh, what precipitated that trade? Well, I think it just, it, it, like I say, it kind of got where I wasn't, I wasn't taking that leap enough. You know, I wasn't, mm-hmm. and, and and part of it was, I think I got pretty comfortable and wasn't working as hard as I should have. And, you know, just, just a, a number of things. And something needed to be done to, to shake up that team because the team was very good. And, and, uh, you know, that was my first experience with, uh, learning some of those, uh, lessons Mm -hmm. and, and that, uh, Hey, you, uh, you got a job to do here. If you're not doing it, we'll find somebody that can, and, and, or you need to change the scenery. This is not working. Maybe because of some, maybe, maybe because it was my hometown and, and they wanted to get me out of there, but there was, there was a number of reasons, but I really wasn't, uh, the, the level of play wasn't where it should have been. Mm-hmm. And so it was, uh, from their perspective, I get it. It was, uh, it was, uh, time to make that move. And oh, well, I wasn't, I was pretty upset about it. I think, uh, I think my mom was more upset. I think she ended up running into Chappie in a, in a, one of the bars somewhere and really la- laid into him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get the moms angry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah no doubt. <laughs> so uh, for those of you not familiar, uh, the team in Nanaimo was called the Nanaimo Islanders, uh, same colors as, as our New York Islanders. And they only were in existence for one season. So you're, uh, you're in their history books as being one of you that have played for the uh, Nanaimo Islanders. And uh, one of your teammates that, uh, that you played with there is someone who you fought down the road. Uh, what was it like playing with Richard Zemlak? Oh, Zemmer. Yeah, yeah. He was another, uh, another good guy. You know, and just uh, tough and, and really, uh, you know, you can see the guys that really, really worked hard all the time. And, and he was one of those. Mm-hmm. And and he was a gamer, you know. So he, he was uh, he was ready to go. We got along pretty well. and But, yeah, no, I, I really liked having him on the ice when I was on the ice. Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
so going into your second camp with the island, you had said that your second season wasn't as good as your first. Um, and now it's still, you're still going into that same camp now with the same champions, the same great players. Um, was it a little less uh, intimidating because you had already been there once and you sort of knew how things were supposed to be there? Um, and it maybe gave you an opportunity to work on some things to kind of put the season before behind you and, and just look forward? Yeah, and it, it, yeah, and I was I was more prepared, mm-hmm. you know, not just mentally and but physically as well. And and you know, kind of when you get through that kind of rough patch of a year, and and, and you, you know, you kind of finish it off, and you're like, you know, what the hell just happened? You know what I mean? Like, how did it go from you know the top to the to the bottom so fast? You know, but that 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 can happen, but then you kind of regroup and, and, you know, um, just get back to work and, and, and get back to that, that commitment and, and seriousness. And I, I think I did that better over the summer and then going into, uh, that third year or that, that camp and then, and then coming back to new West. And I think I, I had a, you know, I would, I didn't have the aspirations of like, I'm going to go to camp and I'm making this team right. as much as I want to be better in camp this year than I was last year and I think I was and then that gets kind of carried over into my third year and and playing in New West I guess you know for some players um, most players don't make the uh, the NHL team when they have junior eligibility left and in their first or second camp and especially as good a year as you ended up having in New West it, it would have been pretty hard to crack that lineup anyway uh, you know to, to make the Islanders so um I, I don't know. Is it something where you go into it going, I'd have to have the most amazing camp ever to make this team based on the fact that they've won a few cups in a row now where you could kind of just maybe work on some things and maybe, you know, pick the brains of some of the players there or some of the coaches. And, you know, not that there's no pressure, but like I said, they're the champions. It's going to take a lot to make this team. So chances are you are going back down. So let me get everything out of this camp and take it with me when I head back west. Uh, yeah, that and 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 you're not as I guess I wasn't as as anxious or or tight. You know, it was it was more relaxed and just had to go in and kind of like find my uh, find my game and 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 just play that. And then I think part of the the goal there was was just to get you know because they had separations. You know what I mean? You had the the, the rookies, the new guys, uh, the minor league guys, and then you know they sprinkle those guys into the, like the main practices, you know, cause they had split practices and things like that. So basically your goal was to get out onto the ice with those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and just get into their practices and then, and then, uh, you know, try to show what you can do to see if you can keep up so, with those guys. Yeah. So whatever you did when you went back to junior, it certainly worked. It seems like you were completely recalibrated. You got 57 points in 69 games playing for new West Bruins who, you know, the, the nine team relocates to new West. And for people that listen to this show, and if you're a fan of the Western league, everybody knows the new West Bruins are notorious, notorious, tough teams. Uh, it seems like, uh, you a lot of the heavy lifting may have been done by uh Jordy on this, but you almost had triple digits of penalty minutes. Uh, what do you remember from that season in New West? It, it, it was a fun year, like, you got to really like I liked the area, obviously, and and yeah. and um, 
you know, I, I like playing there and I, I started to really feel comfortable and, and good in your game again. And, and so you start to enjoy it, you know, and there was, you know, there's always little ups and downs here and there, but I think it really kind of, uh, kind of transformed a little bit and, 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 uh, really, uh, really started like playing, you know what I mean? Like you really were enthusiastic about getting to the, getting to the ring and, and then doing more, you know, off ice and in the gym and things like that. Not that I was like, you know, a total workout freak, but, um, you did, I did more than I ever had. You know, and, and some of the guys were responsible for that. You know, the guys would push it. And one guy used to come by and say, hey, we're going to the gym. And, you know, you want to have that afternoon nap. And, you know, so, you know, having players like that would would uh, certainly motivate you to, to get going, you know. And, and we're pretty good players there, you know, even though it was a new team. But we did uh, we did come together pretty well. And we had, you know, we had a couple of tough guys and Ewan and, and Baruby and, and, you know, Davey Johnson and, you know, there's among others, I'm probably yeah. forgetting a couple, but, uh, yeah. So there was, uh, we had that, we had that toughness, you know, and then we had this, you know, this, the skill of, of Cliffy up front. You know, I mean, yeah. he just, Cliff Ryan, he just kind of like, you know, he, he controlled the, the offense, you know, no matter what we did. So. I was always happy just to give Cliff the puck, you know. <laughs> it's easy way to but get he, points. He'd give, he'd give it back to me once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't score on every shot. You got to spread the wealth <laughs> yeah, a little yeah. bit. And um, and you had, you know, like I said, building on that that fantastic season you had, you had twelve points in nine playoff games, six and six, six goals, six assists. So it really just seems like this was this was the year everything came together for you in junior. Yeah, and I think, and and you know, and I still hadn't, I still hadn't, uh, you know, even though I was drafted, I still hadn't signed yet, you know. And so now you're getting towards the end of junior, and it's like, wow, well, you know, twenty. I mean, I, you know, next year I got to move on or whatever, you know. And it, it wasn't, it didn't happen till I don't know, I, I can't remember exactly, but it was probably in the latter, uh, the middle part of the second half of the year. Or there was some talks, and then. And then uh, a couple of the uh, scouts came, and I talked to them and met with them. And, and I think it, once once that kind of got solidified, then then you know you kind of put that away and at the back of your mind, and then then just concentrate on just playing. And uh, that was uh, that was a good playoffs. It was a wild series, mm-hmm. wild um, nine games. You know, because yeah. le- there was less teams in that uh, Western Conference in the East, so they had to. Time wise, they had to do it like that. Yeah. Um, and early on, so once I decided early on, like we were, I think we were down maybe three games to one or something like that. We were down early. And so you got a call that, that I was, uh, you know, if we lost, you know, whatever, the next couple or, you know, as soon as we were out, I was going to go to Indy. Then you're kind of like, well, if that's the case, then, you know, I'm definitely moving on. So you felt good about that too, but you still had. You know the rest of the rest of the playoffs to to consider and and uh, you know these guys really wanted to they really wanted to win you know and you, you could tell you know we had Pokey Reddick and that and Bill Ranford um, you know we were we felt pretty good as a team we felt we could beat them and even though we were down early but we we picked it up and and got back and into it and 
almost pulled it off. Yeah, I don't think people realize everyone's used to the best of seven, but back in the day, it was best of nine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it was pretty wild, the classic. Mm-hmm. But that that last game, you know, I still remember it in our in in Queens Park Arena there. That little rink, man, it was jammed. You know, more than four thousand, four thousand five hundred plus, and it was just, it was, it was a crazy scene. You know, and it was, it was certainly fun to be a part of. Yeah, and for everyone listening, take some time to research the New West teams because, uh, you know, I've had guys on here that have played for New West. You know, Dean Ewan was on here. He played there, like you yeah, mentioned, yeah. Todd Ewan. Um, the New West, do some research on New Westminster because if you're if you listen to this show, you obviously like the rough the rough side of the game, and they're a notorious team. You know, uh, Pat uh, Punch McLean, uh, Patty Janelle, those guys. Do some research on New West. You won't be disappointed. Um, no, for sure. And and, and I get some uh, I get some notifications uh, from somebody who was, who uh, who did who did just that. You know, there's there's information out there on uh, you know whether it's Instagram, Twitter, yeah. or, you know. Uh, Facebook. I mean, this guy posts stuff, and, yes. and you go back and look at it, and it's like, man, there's there's some pretty cool stuff back then, you know. And it does a great job of putting putting that out there. So it's it's kind of nice to relive that a little bit. Yeah, he's on. I know he's on Twitter. Uh, I don't know what exact at is, but if you search for New West Bruins, it'll come up, and he does a really good job with that stuff. So I would definitely recommend uh, following that account for your uh, New Westminster Bruins. But Google him up and uh, and definitely check it out because this is a this is a fun team for sure. Um, so you had mentioned now after the playoffs, you went up to uh, Indianapolis, your first taste of pro hockey. Uh, how was that? And you're go- jumping right into the playoffs. Uh, what was that transition like from uh, junior to pro? It was it, it was it was fine because there was a couple other guys that came, you know, a couple other draft picks from from my year that that came from the Western League at at uh, at the same time. So you know, you know those guys just from playing against them, and so getting into that. Um, I think I wasn't, I was supposed to be kind of like an extra, like get in and then maybe get a game or two in or whatever the case may be. But somebody ended up, uh, maybe one of the games or it might've been in practice. Some one of the defensemen ended up breaking his hand. Mm. So I ended up getting in and, and, and playing regular. And I think it was, we got to, uh, they went all the way to the finals. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we did. And, uh, but it was just, you know, some of that stuff is kind of sketchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was certainly uh, um, a good experience. Cause, uh, and, and I wasn't going into that. Like, once we, once I got the call that I was going to Indy, like, early in the, in the playoff round, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I kind of put it away. And, and, and once we were kept going and kept playing and stuff, and, and you know, the series you know, got prolonged in, in New West there with Portland. I kind of forgot about it. And I think, I, you know, once we got knocked out and stuff, I think I got a, you know, either a day or two after, I think I got a call that I, that I was go, going there. But I, it, it was probably a couple of weeks later. So I, I really hadn't, it wasn't in the forefront of my mind. Right. So getting that, picking up, packing up and then and then the indie uh was a bit of a rush but uh getting there and then playing with the guys it was just yeah, i felt comfortable so I, it wasn't as intimidating as say the islander camp per mm-hmm. se with 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 all the uh the regulars there 
So you you were there for seven games. I guess that'd be a couple of weeks or whatever. So you didn't have a lot of a, a lot of time with these guys. But one guy I wanted to ask you about is someone's a former guest of the show, uh, Indianapolis hockey legend Kevin Devine. Uh, you remember anything uh, about playing with Kevin? You know, some of those guys. I remember they were uh, they were you know all great guys, and he, and you saw them as like they were part of the Islanders organization, but they've had like. You know, now they're into it a, f- a few years. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, the same thing there. You know, they're trying to bust in and make that team, and mm-hmm. and uh, but it was you know, like you say, you know, it was such a tough team to make. Mm-hmm. You know, and there wasn't a whole lot of changes every year, but but the way these guys played was kind of, and he was one of them for sure. Um, kind of exemplified that kind of Islander grit. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was, he, he was definitely, uh, one of those guys that just never tired and, and, and was, was always going, you know? Um, so it was, it was good to watch him. Definitely. And at times in his career, he had a tremendous Afro as well. So I uh, talk about that with him sometimes. I don't know if he had it back then, but uh, I, I don't think he did. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember if he yeah. did or not. Yeah, it's a couple of good pictures of him with a with a tremendous afro. So, uh, so if he's listening, you know, Kevin, uh, great afro there. But you know, I I've already told you that. So, um, so going into that third training camp with the Islanders, now you have no more uh, junior eligibility. If you don't make the Islanders, you're going, you're going to go to the American League. Uh, and again, your third camp, you, you know, you felt more comfortable in your second camp. But now, again, knowing that you're not going to go back to junior. Uh, is your mindset any different? Nah, they, I don't know. And I, now that I remember, I mean, you certainly had uh, had the aspirations of, of of at least at that point, you know, trying to make more of an impression to be, you know, maybe I got a shot at this, you know, as opposed to I have no shot, you know, and so that was going into that cap. That was that was the uh, the mindset there, and. Uh, remember correctly yeah no it it was uh that was definitely it i mean it was just more of uh i got to make more of an impression and 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 you get a little bit more hope because you're going you're getting on the ice more let's say with the big guys you know what i mean and and you're practicing more with them and and then your goal was just to get into get into you know have a good camp and get into exhibition game and things like that and and but like I said, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, you know, it's, it's yeah, it's a bit of a long shot, maybe. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I have to go to Springy, I'll go to Springy, you know. So I want to be more name association with you for some of the players that you played with uh, in Springfield. Uh, first guy is uh, Sarge, Chris Pryor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah awesome guy. Mm-hmm. He, he was my, he was my you know, after I guess in coming out of you know midget into junior, and then seeing Brent and see how serious he was, uh, Pry was was another one of those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, like just ultimate competitor, and, and just when he you know came in through the back door at the old Civic Center in Springfield, and and it was he was in he was in mode. You know, he, he was his his seriousness and his his preparation was just something to watch yeah he's a great guy we ended up being d partners a lot and he was a great guy to play with great guy uh alan kerr well al and and 
So when, when you, you know, you get into, you're still doing training camp in, in Springfield too. So you're still in a hotel and we might've even talked about it. Uh, somewhat cause I guess know him and Dale Henry. I even talked about it a little bit in coming out of training camp in, in New York that once we've got Springfield, Hey, maybe we want to get a place and live together and stuff like that. So, you know, once it got to that point, mm-hmm. so both, both, uh, and and Dale were, you know, a couple of Western guys and just just a couple of great guys. Uh, so we we ended up uh, you know coming out of camp and in Springfield there and getting our own place. We ended up living together. So that was uh, <clears throat> that was a pretty wild first year, you know, living with those two guys. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they were funny, you know, and it, it was good. We were just you know three twenty year olds and in a new spot and you know we we pretty much did everything together uh and that's good because dale was actually next on my list but after dale i was going to ask you about the moose glenn johannison yeah 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 <laughs> yeah another another beauty he was he was he was funny yeah but you know he so he was good on these guys who didn't come out of junior he came out of college mm-hmm. and i think the, the guy we had at the time uh Fred Creighton was yeah. no, no. We had Lauren first. Lauren was Lauren there. first. Yeah, mm-hmm. Lauren. Lauren was uh, Lauren was the best. I, he was one of the best coaches I ever had. I, as far you know, for for me personally, um, just a just a great guy and and just a real good uh, communicator. Um, was always giving giving me feedback, you yeah. know, and, and constantly. And just he was one of those guys you really wanted to really wanted to play for mm-hmm. you know and he was patient and he worked with you and he just he had a good calm demeanor that that i really liked um and then uh, uh getting back to al al was uh gritty just just gritty and and another real hard worker i mean a lot of these guys are just they just work so hard you know and i think that's that's the key that you know the kind of the common theme you know for mm-hmm. For anybody really going going into that is just uh, your work ethic and how hard you work and how dumb you are and and how committed you are that really determines uh, all your success. And the two other guys that were sort of mainstays in the American League uh, back then, uh, Gordon Paddock and Mike Neal. There's uh, there's some stuff out there on Gordon. I believe he was a baseball player or a softball player, and uh, but there's really not a whole lot out there on Mike Neal. Uh, what do you remember about playing with those two guys? Well, uh, Gloria's another Western guy. Mm-hmm. You know, she so got to know him. You know, we we kind of it was like Western guys, Ontario guys, Quebec guys. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. was, there was a lot of that. And then oh, you yeah. sprinkled in a few college guys. Now, I, I really like playing with Whitey and he was another guy. We, he was just a, you know, he looked like a, when you look at a farmer, you mm-hmm. know, Gloria's a farmer. He, he, that's the way he walked around. Like, mm-hmm. if I think back to all the Friends I had, you know, West. I mean, I grew up in Lethbridge, so I didn't live on a farm. But mm-hmm. I look at it, who's who's a farmer. Gord was a farmer, you know, and he is uh, quiet, but stuck his nose in there. And and same thing. He was he was he was a gamer, you know. He was he, he didn't say much, but he was he was ready to go if you needed to. For he's, sure. He's still running the family farm, by the way. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. no, and I tell you, I, I ran into him a couple of years ago. He ended up, um, you know, through you know social media, mm-hmm. 
uh, just reconnecting with, uh, I think one of his, uh, one of his old steadies from mm-hmm. back here, um, after us being apart and they kind of came back together and, uh, ended up getting married. And oh, wow. so she's from here, but she moved up there. So they live on the farm up there, but mm-hmm. they happen to be, or she, she happened to be, and she was always, he's not really that much on, uh, on right. like, yeah. she's probably too busy working, but yeah, yeah. um, she connected with me and, and said that they were going to be in town. And, uh, and so this was, yeah, a couple of years because for all the COVID stuff, yeah. we couldn't do anything, but they were down. And so I ended up, we ended up meeting up and, uh, and get, getting dinner together and just kind of rehashing some of the old times there. It was, it was pretty cool to see him still the same. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's still exactly the same and funny guy, man. We, we had a, we had a few laughs and, uh, and over yeah probably a couple of days a couple of dinners we went to and uh, it was it was really good to see him after all this time and you know yeah. one of these days i'll ever open the border up we'll yeah. i'll venture up there for a little visit and going back into his territory but yeah you like to kind of reconnect with uh, some of those guys and especially mm-hmm. after you know 25 30 years 35 years um you just kind of pick up right where you left off yeah well, next time you chat with him, let him know there's uh, some goofball in Long Island that has a podcast that would love to get him on a show. Yeah, yeah I definitely, I definitely uh, uh, message him because now, now we you know got together and and, and stuff. And so now we have like numbers and Excellent. all that, you know. So I can definitely uh, connect with him and and same with with Al. I haven't heard from Al for a few years, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, both those guys. I would love to have him on the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He well, last I talked. Anyway, he was he's all Western working and and or he was heading up some kind of hockey academy. Yeah, or, the Okanagan, to, Okanagan yeah, yeah, hockey thing. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. that's still around though. Yeah, I'm not sure what he's doing now. This yeah. was, mm-hmm. I'm going back on this, and and we did talk a few times because we were because that's the time I was coaching junior hockey and. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so we had players and we were talking about players and different things like that. But, yeah. so, but I haven't heard from him. And then one guy I recently just connected with, um, on Facebook is Dale Henry. Oh, I've, he, I've been chasing he, Dale down for a while. I can't get well, him to answer a message. Well, I, I'll, I'll try to, I'll try <laughs> to reach out to him. And he, yeah, he, he was that, that first year with those two, was just, mm-hmm. that was, you know, one of the best experiences I had, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, adventure after adventure. Um, but it was, it was just a couple of good guys, you know, and yeah. these, I don't know if they, they used to team up and get on me, I think, you know, do, you know, and, and now that I think back of it, I think they, uh, they knew how they could, they could get to me, you know, like, <laughs> and, and, and they did, you know, yeah. so, but it was all in, in good fun, but it mm-hmm. did cost me a lot of money at the card table. That's for sure. <laughs> Well, well, listen. I think, those, I think those, I think those two were in cahoots. Oh yeah. On that. <laughs> it, it, from afar, it appears that way. So, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. if you talk to any of those guys, I, if you could put in a good word, I'd appreciate it. So, yeah, I definitely yeah. will. I definitely will. So, and who else do I still connect with? Oh yeah, uh, keep going. Keep going. Yeah, Kenny Lighter. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I've spoken to him on Facebook a little bit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, this stuff up on that first year because we had like we had like a split team with Minnie and mm-hmm. and the Islanders. Uh, yeah. I still talk to Bob Bodak mm-hmm. uh, here and there a bit. Yeah, but he um, and then uh, I'm just uh, trying to think of who else. And and right. it's funny because you talk about Dale Henry. Uh, 
like I nobody seemed to know where the hell he was, you know. Yeah. What I mean, like, mm-hmm. and you couldn't get a hold of him or whatever, you know. And so I'm talking to Gord, you know, they were pretty good buddies too, and yeah. And and he's like, I think he's was here, and, and you know, what I mean, and, and I, I'm pretty sure he's this is what he's doing now, and it was somewhere down in texas or something yeah you know and that's there was just bits and pieces like he had nothing definitive either mm-hmm. you know and and then um yeah it was just recently that i finally connected with him on uh, on facebook yeah to me that's one of the few good things about social media is when you can actually reconnect with uh friends uh you know that you haven't seen in a while and for someone like myself uh it allows me to connect with players uh to help me uh get guests for the show but other than that i think social media is uh it's more trouble than it's worth so, yeah. <laughs> yeah in that regard it's it's good and in yeah. other ways yeah it's, it's uh, not so much but i yeah i get that part but that's mm-hmm. That's the way of the world, man. You connect yep. in, the, in a split second here now. So, and I'm still like my kids make fun of me, but I'm I'm you know technologically I'm a dinosaur. You know, I I really have you know Same I struggle here. to yep. I struggle to keep up with this stuff. But uh, <laughs> but those two those two were funny because I come out of camp and I got like that first year in springing there. So I if I remember I think it was that year. I don't know. We were doing a one-on-one drill on that it was that year or the next year it might it might have been that year mm-hmm. but i i doing one-on-one drill on and miko makala you remember him oh yeah um we, he went to jump by me and you know and i'm not a dirty player mm-hmm. say the least and you know with the euros you weren't fighting any euros back no. then you know what i mean so <clears throat> he ended up trying to jump by me or something you know cross-checked me in the, right in my teeth and, and knocked them all back and i think i had to get them repaired and so like that first part of the that that year in springfield they had some dental damage you know so i wasn't like wasn't playing as gritty i guess uh-huh. you know so i think but you getting in once i kind of heal and i was still kind of playing that wasn't where i needed to be i don't think I, my roommates let me know they you know dale and al and yeah and and Hank used to get on me be like sweetie so you gotta start playing tougher you gotta start working these guys you know and and so they 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 would they would get on me because they were they were already doing it man. They yeah were scrapping all the time mm-hmm. and stuff so finally i'm getting into it then I, once i'm getting into it then I'm then I'm into it, mm-hmm. you know, like anything else. Like once you get going to something, and and uh, it's it becomes part of it, and and you know, and then you start to kind of like it a little bit. <laughs> then you start doing it all the time, and mm-hmm. and then then I was doing it too much, you know. Yep. And then you know, Lauren pulled me aside one time. And he said, "Hey, he said, you can't be fighting everybody every time. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta you gotta stay on the ice. So we need you on the ice. Mm-hmm. You know. So then that kind of refocus me a little bit but still it was uh it was interesting and then like you say you know we we talked about before we the more you do it the more you fight the better you get at it and so it just got to where i felt more comfortable mm-hmm. you know i don't know fighting anybody really well, before Lauren pulled the reins back on you, there's a few guys I want to ask you about. Uh, a couple of guys that were with the uh, Fredericton Express. One guy with Islander ties, as a matter of fact, today it's his birthday. Uh, you fought uh, Ivan Valtor. Do you remember fighting Ivan? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah, a lot of those, because this is, there were so many, like, it was almost like an extension of junior because his mm-hmm. style of play was the same. So every team, had, there was like 10 guys, 12 mm-hmm. guys who could who could all chuck them. You know mm-hmm. I mean? And, and, and so, and, uh, I don't know, I think it was like you, you just kind of, you didn't want to be one to kind of back down. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of, when it, when it came time to go, if somebody wanted to go, you just went, yep. you know? And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. And was, there were some tough dudes too. You know, don't get me wrong. I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, you kind of fight stuff, and you know, you get in there and you're throwing your punch. But you know, I don't know, man. They're like you get clocked a few times, it's it's not as fun as it, they make it out to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I think one of the one of the best ways to show your new to, your new teammates that you're all in is maybe by fighting an old teammate like you did this year, another Fredericton Express, your old teammate Richard Zemlack. You remember fighting him? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and it was like that was toe to toe. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then afterwards it was like he's under a pat on the shoulder, and then yeah. you know because he played with me in that year mm-hmm. in junior, and I I never really scrapped anybody mm-hmm. then, you know what I mean? I wasn't really fighting or stuff, so I, I think I I surprised him. Mm-hmm. I think that that was the biggest thing, but then after it was over, we were just back to like, hey man, that was that was pretty cool, mm-hmm. you know, we're buddies, and then. Uh, it was funny, but we did talk about it right after, for sure. One of the, <laughs> yeah, one of the cool things about the American League, especially back then and even now, although there's really no more rivalries as far as I'm concerned, um, the way that the geography broke broke up. So, you know, you'd have the the maritime teams. You know, those games are probably pretty vicious. Well, not probably they were. And you have the upstate New York rivalries. And when you're in Springfield, there's so many teams up and down Wind. And your rivalries against some of those teams like New Haven, uh, I know you had a two-fight game in uh, ver- in Springfield against Maine where you fought Mitch Wilson and Ken Danico. Uh, but you had so many teams in New England. What was what were those rivalries like? Um, they were they were pretty intense, like you say, like and and just the whole landscape was, um, you know, every every team had guys, you know, and, and tough guys, a lot of them, you know? So like anything you you did out there, like if you played a certain way and play tough, you use your stick a lot, you cross, you know, anything you stir, anytime you stirred something up, you you had to be, you know, you had to be ready to, for somebody coming, you know, or or you had to be willing to, if you were going to play like that, you had to be willing to go. Let's, let's just say that. And so you couldn't get away with just, doing shit to people not expect something coming back your way yeah uh, you're plugging along in springfield and uh mid to late january all of a sudden uh someone's letting you know that you're going up to long island how did you find out about being recalled uh we yeah that was interesting because like we had i think we just came back from the maritimes mm-hmm. and i think the last one of the one of the one of the last games or maybe the second to last game i don't know i i blocked a shot and and it, it was uh, right off the angle, like like kind of skimmed it, but it was it was hard enough on the side that that my foot just blew up, and it was it was brutal, and I couldn't even get into my skate, you know. And so we get back, and it was it was still pretty bad, and 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 then I I get the call from Lauren, and and he says, hey, you're going up, and I'm like, I I go well, I go I can't even, I can barely walk, I go I can't even get foot in a skate and so he was like 
So what do you want me to tell you? You don't want to go? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, no, 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 that's it. No, that's not it. So it was, it was, I had to get my, I had to, get my, I had to go to the shoemaker, get my boot <laughs> punched out and, and they put this cap on it. It, it. it was a whole crazy series of events, you know, to get, to get down there. And then, uh, and then just, just walking in, you know, and I'm like, man, I gotta, this is wild. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it was pretty exciting. But I had one, one of the other guys playing with you, I think Scotty Housen. Yeah, he stole uh, the show that night. He, he did. Yeah. He did. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just funny because I just connected with him again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll fill you in a little, little bit on this stuff um, after, but mm-hmm. just recently. Um, but yeah, we, we talked about that time there going up and yeah he lit it up so he ended up saying mm-hmm. and you know i did my way and whoever was sick or out for that thursday game i believe um they were back in the lineup it was iffy if they were gonna so i might i was either in that second game or i was gonna be in the press box and then the rest is history and then uh, i think it was boudelier paul mm-hmm. um he was out and then he was back in so they was um uh, did the, that game in the press box, and then then it was back to springy after that. Uh, so, but it, it was it was it was it was awesome. Tone. Just you know, just being in the locker room, and then you know, I remember Al coming up to me and just saying, "Hey, just play your game. You know, just get out there, play your game. That's all. You know, there was nothing more to it than that." Well, that's you what know. I wanted to ask you about because you've been around these guys in training camp. You you played exhibition games, and now you're playing in an NHL game. You're at Nassau Coliseum. I'm assuming you're there, national anthem. You're getting goosebumps, and you just want to get out there. I know a lot of players say once you get that first shift out of the way, it's just hockey. But I always wonder, like the the you know, you come out there for the. Um, the, the pre-skate and then you do uh, warm-ups is actually what I wanted to say. Uh, and yeah, then the yeah, national yeah. anthem, it had to be just surreal. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool being on that bench. The place packed. You know that place, man. It's yeah. loud. And yeah, it, it was awesome. But it felt it felt okay. You know what I mean? Once once it got going, I think I, I, think I had to play with Gordy Lane, yep. my D partner. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and he was great too. He's like, "Hey, man, just relax out there, just move the puck, and blah blah blah." You know what I mean? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. just some. Uh, they were those guys were great. You know, I remember being going in, you know, into the room and and you know, changing, you know, changing out your clothes into your warm up gear, and uh, you know, Mike Bossy comes walking by, and you know, he's he looks and he's like. Jesus, you know, because there was like a couple call-ups at the yeah. time. Oh, like, Christ, he goes, another new guy, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was it was pretty cool. It was really cool. Now, as a def- and obviously you're there, and, and you're a professional hockey player, but we talked about some of the players. And in that game, you had Bob Mason played, uh, Trottier played, Tonelli played, Billy Smith played. But as a defenseman, when you when you see a guy like Dennis Podvin, uh, I'm assuming maybe not that you focus mostly on him, but if if you're gonna try to pick up things as a defenseman, there's probably a million worse guys to pick things up from than, in my opinion, the greatest of all time, Dennis Podvin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, he was he was he was pretty cool. As you know, he just another one of those guys. You kind of like had a, had that had that presence. You know, just. And I'm just like, you know, sitting in the same room with him. You know what I mean? Like it was pretty mm-hmm. cool. And, and then, and then just watching his, his play, you know, um, thinking of back in your own mind, you know, I, 
play my game and, you know, not try not to screw up and, you know, all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, cause you, you know, you, you play and you're, you're playing here and there, but you know, those guys are playing all the time. So you really get to, you know, they're getting all the shifts and all the ice time. And they, so you really get to watch them and, and, and see what they do out there. And, and I've never seen a guy just control, like a uh, controller, you know, not just to pull ice, but his own, his own zone, like that guy. Yeah. So now you got your game and um, now you know you're on the radar because you, you've been up there. They've seen you play at, at the, the highest level. So going into training camp, and I know it's hard to remember one training camp from the other, but now the training camp after you had a good season in Springfield and you played your NHL game. Now going into that camp, do you feel like, this may be my opportunity to make this team. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the way that year finished off and, you know, at the end of the year, there's always, you know, cause the Islanders are always playing so long, you know, into postseason, there's going to be a few guys that, you know, go up for the taxi squad or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I remember Lauren calling me in at the end of the season. And he's like, Hey, he says, uh, you're not going to go up for playoffs. I mean, they got, they're going to have nine defensemen and, you know, these are two extra guys that are going and, you know, but he said, you know, don't, don't, and and I really didn't, he said, you know, they say it a lot, but don't read too much into it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I really didn't because I felt pretty good finishing that season off, like overall with everything. So I think probably that summer was, was my hardest summer, you know, like preparing, you know, uh, working out, you know what I mean? Like getting ready. Cause I, I really thought I had a shot next year. I really did at that point. And I felt pretty good about that. And so it went into, went into camp with, with that mindset. Mm-hmm. And I was in there. I was in a lot more. I was in with the, with the, with the, the regulars, let's mm-hmm. say the veteran guys. I was in with those guys a lot more. Uh, more of their practices and then mm-hmm. exhibition games and and I was I was feeling good about it mm-hmm. feeling really good about it and and then I was on the regular rotation with 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 the uh, the main practice mm-hmm. um, and that that kept going to a camp so it was it was going good mm-hmm. I thought yeah you know and it almost to a point where I was like I was dressing in their room you yeah. know and. At my stall. I mean, it was like things were going in the right direction, and and, you know, and I felt good about it. And I was getting good feedback from everybody. You know what I mean? All that stuff. The coaches, uh, assistant coaches, scouting staff, and guys like uh, I remember working with me on the ice, like Burt Marshall. And, you know about defensive things, and you know what I mean? like get more, more fine tuned, mm-hmm. and and just feeling really good about it. And then I don't know what the I can't remember. It was a, one of the exhibition games and. Um, they ended up getting a scrap in front. I can't remember exactly who it was. It was against Boston. I don't know. But it wasn't, it wasn't one of those toe-to-toe ones. It was more like a wrestling one. You know, and they ended up twisting and going down. And I don't know. Did something to my back mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And and it just, it was, it was bad enough that the next day, you know, we got out for practice and... I don't know if there was another game or, but we were having a morning skate or just regular practice. And, and I remember going up to Al and I'm like, I, I got no feeling in my left leg. Like it's all numb. You know what I mean? I like, I go, well, there's something wrong. I said, I, I can't skate. I had to get off. 
Yeah. I had to get off. And he was looking at me like, are you serious? And I'm like, and I, I wouldn't have done it. Right. You know, I would have, I would have forced him to stay out there, but I, there was something wrong, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that was just, at that point, it just didn't recover, mm-hmm. you know? Like through the rest of training camp, even with treatments and, you know, going to see the docs and, you know, all that stuff. And so again, it was like meeting with Bill Torrey and, mm-hmm. and it was like, ah, at this point, you know, things were going on real good, but now, you know, you're going to do some rehab and we need you to play a lot. So you're going to go back to Springfield. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I was disappointed, but I was like, I, you know, I get it, mm-hmm. you know, but then that was kind of the beginning of just, uh, a series of just never, never uh, managing that back issue mm-hmm. um, completely, you know. And so it just it changed things a little bit, um, and it, it took a it took a, a while. It took a long while to kind of um, regain that 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 form. But that was just a whatever one of those mm-hmm. freak things, you know. You twist down, the next thing you well, you got a herniated disc, and mm-hmm. boom, you know. Yeah, and the back is not something that you can, you know, for a hockey player, you're using every part of your body, but, you know, back yeah. and, and your abs and stuff, constantly in motion, so, yeah. you know. And they, and they they really took care of me. I mean, they, they sent me this guy in Akron, Ohio, a specialist for his treatment. I mean, they really do a great job of, of, of taking care of it. It just it just didn't recover to the extent, like, to be back to 100% completely. Yeah. You know, at times it, it was good and, and at any given moment it could it could go. You know, and that was just a became a kind of a recur, recurring thing, you know, throughout the rest of the my playing days, pretty much. You know, it was always an issue. It was always an issue. What do you remember about playing with uh, McPherson? I, I ask everybody that played with him this because uh, obviously people know he's, he's no longer with us and his story is amazing. Um, you know, amazing, not in a good way, just uh, what his parents uh, have been through and uh, every, you know, has so much respect for Duncan. What what were your memories of playing with Duncan? He's not a great guy. Yeah. And and we, we hung out, probably not much. I mean, Gordy, I think, hung out with him a lot more. Maybe mm-hmm. because, of, um, you know, for whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, gravitation guys, maybe because they're roommates or whatever, or close proximity to where you live, you hang out more. But I hung out with him quite a bit. And uh, he was an awesome dude. Mm-hmm. He was just a, he was a great guy. And another guy that was just really super tough mm-hmm. super tough strong gritty and determined and but also you know he he definitely had the mindset he was kind of a he was a free spirit so yep. when you know and i heard that you know um he was uh you know taking off and just kind of driving off his own and he was going on his way to where he was going over mm-hmm. in europe and he was going to stop and just you know go up the mountain somewhere you know what i mean that yeah. would be something they would just do on its own yeah i mean i remember him just i mean going back to our camps and stuff you know when you have a day or something you want to go you know everybody wants to go downtown and check mm-hmm. out manhattan you know it's pretty wild and stuff and he would just go on home. yeah like he'd go by himself mm-hmm. you know and i you know everybody was always like ah, it's a scary place you know and stuff but he, he wasn't like that he just had no fear of this guy yeah none whatsoever yeah yeah, it's, uh, I keep in touch with his mom a lot, Linda, and I'm sure that she's the toughest person I know. 
you know, and uh, there's a, a really good book about the entire saga called Cold a Long Time. And uh, it's an amazing book. And it really kind of gives you all the information of what uh, Linda and Bob have had been through and continue to go through with the different governments and stuff. And, uh, you know, Linda, like I always say, she's the toughest person I know. And I'm sure that uh, that Duncan gets a lot of that, uh, got a lot of that from his mom. So not yeah, surprised yeah, there. That's a that's a great read that one. Yeah, man. I, yeah. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, yeah. it was pretty cool. A couple of players I want to ask you about also that you fought. Um, we mentioned Sherbrooke before with Fletcher, but you fought a guy who uh, later on was a member of the organization, and that's Rick Hayward. Uh, you remember fighting Hayward uh, in Sherbrooke? I don't know about I fought him in Sherbrooke. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yes. Yeah, man. Maybe. Yeah. Yes. He. So that's some of the stuff, like, mm-hmm. say to you, yeah, thrown out there. That's one I don't remember. The only one okay. I remember is our second altercation. But right, maybe go that's for it. Go maybe for it. well, maybe that's why I, I I can't remember the first fight, or maybe mm-hmm. I maybe I beat him. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe I got up on him, or or something mm-hmm. happened. But that second time we came together was in when I was in Phoenix, and and yep. you know, mm-hmm. we kind of squared off, and and there was some other stuff going on so we were just kind of tied up and stuff and 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 he he was like you know so we're talking now so it's like all right all right we're good we're good yeah yeah we're good all right just all right okay let go let go all right okay okay so we both let go and then he just freaking suckers me right <laughs> yeah just, you, know, <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then you know so but i could even react one of our other guys kenny spanner come in and jumped him and mm-hmm. so they ended up scrapping but but then you know it was too late and yeah and uh but you know going off the ice after because now we're getting booted out because it's like yep. the extra weight and all this stuff and i'm talking to him like rick what the fuck man what are you doing <laughs> you know and he, and he was a nice guy he felt yeah. bad mm-hmm. about it after yeah. you know what I mean? he's like oh, i'm sorry i shouldn't have done that you know but hey that was that was you know, it's a lesson learned you know mm-hmm. just don't drop your hands right you know? right don't drop your hands especially with him <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, definitely not. I mean, I I like Rick, tough guy. He's a kind a guy that kind of towed the line a lot, and uh, I guess depending on his mood, sometimes he went over a bit. But uh, you know, always, you know, always uh, you know held himself accountable if uh, guys. Yeah, if there him. if there was a line, yeah, there was there was guys that were pushing that line mm-hmm. all all the time, and and you know you just there then there got to be where it was just a blur line, and and guys just did what they what they had to do, you know, and, and, you know, uh, regardless of what was going to transpire after, it was just one of those heat of the moment things. And you kind of understood that too, as a player, yeah. that some guys are just going to do some crazy stuff. So mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily make them a bad guy. It's just, right. mm-hmm. you know, anybody's capable of anything out there at any given time, you know, so try to be ready. <laughs> Uh, what another, I had mentioned before, uh, the games against New Haven would get pretty violent. You did very well in a fight against Mark Radicky. I don't know if you remember that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, is another one. You know, mm-hmm. New Haven, we played them a lot, and they were only yep. an hour down the road, so mm-hmm. there was a lot of there was uh, there was something going on, and New Haven fans were kind of nuts. You oh, know? Yeah. They, like they mm-hmm. were they were pretty wild. So they it just the. the the warm up was packed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like in that one section, anyway. And 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 you know the the games got going. They pretty intense, pretty fast. So yeah, it's one of those things where I mean, some some scraps like you you kind of you're kind of ready. Sometimes you're not so ready, and mm-hmm. then other times you're 
you're all set. And then if you get an edge, then you just take it. And I think that, that's what happened in Matt's graph there. So as we move on to 87, 88, we, uh, Springfield, uh, there's a bunch of new blood coming in. Uh, all, it looks like all from the West, a bunch of new kids coming in, uh, played down in Springfield. To you. So there's uh, three names I want to ask you about. Uh, Dale Kushner, what do you remember about playing with Kush? Kush, <laughs> Kush was uh, he was one of those one of the characters. Like over all the years, you remember guys and stuff. Is just as you know, uh, some of them stand out more than others. And this guy, he was one of them, mm-hmm. and he was a character. And right, right from the get go, like like he was a young different than I think anyway. You know, than the law guys you had to really get prodded, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, uh, to a certain point. You know, and then before you could really kind of snap and get into a uh, good toe-to-toe or a good scrap, whatever, um, it wasn't like one of those, you know, quick switch guys. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's like some of these other guys are, and, and they're legit tough, you know, just, and he was one of them, you know. I mean, he, he just, you knew at any given time that something was going to happen. Like, he jumped on the ice, you know, he went hard, went fast, and he was going after somebody. Um, it may not have always ended up in scrap. It's, it, the potential is there just about all the time. Yeah. Fun to watch. Oh, yeah. And, and he, was a, he was a good guy, too, you know, mm-hmm. really good guy, funny. So I enjoy playing with him, for sure. Well, the next two guys are, are good guys and a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Rod Dahlman, what about Dolly? Same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, it's just a different, you know, a, a different guy, mm-hmm. uh, like personality-wise, a little quieter, but a little, you know, he had kind of a wry sense of humor, uh, but but funny dude and, mm-hmm. and the same thing. He didn't look like he was going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. some guys you can get his towel. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's not that he wasn't have you know but he wasn't like this big important you know really hulking jacked up guy mm-hmm. he, was, he was just a just a hard-nosed tough mm-hmm. tough guy you know uh that played not, not another another guy that just played hard all the time yeah dolly didn't have the eye twitch of mick vakoda uh mick always looked like he wanted to get into it uh you know always wondering what's going on in that head and uh, Springfield, Mick Vakoda teaming up with Dahlman. Well, what a tag team that was. But what are your memories of playing with Mixter? Well, the Mick, we we ended up scrapping in, in uh, training camp. Okay. Do tell. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, where you're having inter-squad games. Mm-hmm. So the only guy that's reffing it is is one of the players. And I yep. think Nystrom was... Yep. was was dropping the puck mm-hmm. you know he was the guy out there and uh, and we had mick was buzzing around pretty good zipping mm-hmm. around all over the place and then we had come to a I think we had you know just some little minor skirmishes because mm-hmm. he was wild he oh, came yeah. in come into the corners wild he'd be in front of the net he was wild he was wild everywhere mm-hmm. and you know almost to, to a point where it just like was irritating you know what <laughs> i mean so and then we came to a point where we were both kind of going for the puck and, and, you know, we collided, you know, just a good, you know, physical hit. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So then we ended up scrapping and it was, it was a pretty good scrap. I thought anyway, I don't know. I don't know what Mick says about it, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was okay. And then I remember nice from saying something after he goes, I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> you know, this was, you know, this is, this was bound to happen to the course. So anyway, we end up being, uh, well, after camp where we get sent back to bringing in we, him and i ended up being roommates for 
for camp. <laughs> so we, we talked about it. We had, you know, it was just one of those things too. It's just part of the, yep. part of the deal. And then once you're done, you're done, you know, and then your buddies after. And so we, we got along pretty good. Yeah. Uh, in a game. So for a guy who, who doesn't fight or, or wasn't, or you didn't go looking for it. You had a game against Halifax. You took on one of the tougher guys in the league at the time and, and, really a hungry lion and all those uh citadels got rookies had the skinheads at the time and uh you fought darren kimball and then later in the game you fought ken mccray and the mccray fight it was kind of by the bench and i think the officials kind of had a better hold to you than him and uh, he got in some free shots what do you remember about that game yeah I, uh same thing it's like one of those situations where we're like if you're like if you're in a game where you're gonna where you're just you know, you're going to play the game or you're going to, you know, something happens, it happens, you know, but you're, you're, you're playing a game there and you're in that mode. But this was like one of those games where I think you're going to, you're going to have to get into it um, and, and be in that, in, in that mode. Cause there was going to be, there was a handful of scraps in this game. So, you know, get ready for it. And uh, so, and then once you, once you get that, you get that part of the game, I guess in that particular game, going mm-hmm. and then it's easy to kind of jump into the next one and i think i i don't know if i get i i wanted if i remember correctly i i think my hand got stuck or something in his helmet um i don't i don't remember exactly mm-hmm. but i couldn't free myself for some reason so the rest kind of had like definitely a better hold of me and oh, so yeah. i couldn't get free to like do what i wanted to do so that was the frustrating part so yeah, so that one you had to make it on the chin, you know. Yeah, that was the days where the the Halifax, the rookies, they would have the skinheads, and you had Kimball there, you had McRae, uh, Dolly fought Brent Severin, he had the skinhead going there. So uh, yeah, he was another tough kid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so there was there, there was plenty of them. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Geez, I remember like I remember we had played Adirondack, and they had both Probert and Kosher on the team mm-hmm. and so i mean and and you know the western guys we talk on the ice and stuff so i'm, I'm in front of that with joe and and um like and joe already had a, he had a real good reputation already mm-hmm. but and he uh, so i'm i'm doing my thing in front i'm working on you know doing what you're supposed to do back then you can slash you can hack you can cross deck you can do whatever you want you can mm-hmm. ball the guy you know, and so I was doing that, and then Joe turned, and he just, he just like, he has, still has a glove on, but he punched me right in the side of the head, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, it was like one of those, like, you could tell it was like a heavy, heavy punch, mm-hmm. you know? And and I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is this is not going to be good if I have to take another one of these, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, so it ended up. You know, it just like chirping and stuff, and it didn't really lead to scrap. And he was like, ah, "I'm not going to fight you." You know what I mean? And, yeah. And you know, so we took, but in talking in a talking way, and he's like, "Hey, listen," he says, you, "You do your stuff in front. You know, you make it look good and stuff." He says, "This is, you know, just don't go crazy." You know what I mean? <laughs> and then we do it. But he, but he said, "Hey," so I'm going to tell you, there's another guy on the bench here that you definitely. Do not want to do that too. And he was talking about Probert. Good advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good advice. Yeah, for sure. Going into your into your uh, final year with Springfield, I guess I, I wonder, like, did did it almost feel like um, 
you were in like the Crash Davis kind of role where you're the veteran down in the minors and you're there to kind of mentor uh, the younger players where, uh, you know, I don't know if they ever kind of made you feel like you weren't going to get another opportunity, but yet you had been with the team, you know, in the organization counting the training camps like seven years at this point. Um, did you feel like that's the kind of role you had or did you really, did you have hopes that maybe you get back up? No, I, I think the communication from them was, and, and there was that period there, and it, it probably was over, you know, it stretched out over, you know, a couple seasons where he almost had, it wasn't as good as it should have been. Mm-hmm. He almost had to kind of write it off just because there's only back issues and it just wasn't getting better. And, but they were great, and they were like, listen, we're not, we're not closing a book on you. You know, we're not giving up. So there was always that feedback from these guys. Right. And then it, was, it was nice to hear that. Yeah. You know, hearing that from Tory and yeah. and and, uh, and the likes of uh, you know some of the brass up in uh, New York, so, mm-hmm. and I was playing for a guy Jimmy Roberts that I really liked, and mm-hmm. he he seemed to like me, and and so it was it was getting that kind of vibe back again, you know. So I I didn't really look at it that way mm-hmm. that I was kind of on the way out, but yeah. it wasn't you know it wasn't high on the possibility ranks as it probably should have been or could have been right and then i think there was but i was playing some pretty good hockey and i was playing pretty good for jimmy and there were some other teams that expressed interest and and i was supposed to get traded uh, at a certain point mm-hmm. you know and I, and I was welcoming that if it, if that was the case you know mm-hmm. if i had to go somewhere and 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 get a fresh start or whatever but i think what ended up happening was the deal was supposed to be made and islanders had 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 a bunch of injuries at the time and they're really depleted. And I think we were down to 5D and Springfield and, you know I mean? So it was just like a numbers thing and it just didn't chart. Mm-hmm. But I found that out afterwards. I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. Gotcha. So <clears throat> that was another instance where, Hey, timing is everything. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, but, uh, but Jimmy was, Jimmy was great to play for. And, and then, you know, after a few years of, you know, milling around a couple other teams and going to different camps and stuff. And <clears throat> I ended up talking to him again. And uh, probably just before I, I kind of hung him up um, and I almost went back and played for him. Um, they ended up taking uh, the head coaching job in Worcester. Mm-hmm. They started the American League, but they were kind of independent, but they were tied in a little bit with, with St. Louis mm-hmm. and, um, liked me and I knew Jimmy liked me and he wanted me to come play for him and I'd already gotten into the program at school and I was like ah you know I think it's time to buy a bunch of young kids it was you know that's that's I felt that's the way it was the way to go and you know and thinking back of it another timey thing I mean Jimmy just one year there and next year he gets named head coach of St. Louis Blues yeah. you know what I mean yep. and it's like you know it's a lot of those guys when times when you're on the on the bubble, you got to have somebody in your corner. You got to have somebody like you. And, and then I watched, you know, t- guy after guy after guy, all the play for him in Springfield, a lot of them mm-hmm. getting called up, getting their opportunity, yeah. you know, guys that he knew. And I was like, yeah, maybe, what if, you know, yeah. but, but then uh, that's the deal, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, over the course of that, it was, you know, you never kind of lose hope, but you got to have, you got to have some help. Yeah. You got to have some help at a certain point and you see it, you know, um, time and time again, you know, long-term guys 
uh, getting their opportunity in the right spot, the right time, and and I think that's what that's what's needed for a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. You know, is is to get that break. During this year in Springfield, and I'm sure you had been in camps with him before, but what was your reaction when you saw Kerry Clark do the moonwalk in the Three Amigos? <laughs> he, he was a beauty, yeah. man, I tell you. Mm-hmm. Funny, man. That was that was classic. Once you saw that, and it was like, right, this, <laughs> this is entertaining. People loved it. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is entertaining. You know, at first you think, ah, this is kind of goofy. But then uh, then it was like, oh, this is going to be part of the deal, man. Yeah. This is this is entertaining. It's it's funny, and, and you know, because you did, you know, he. I think he only did it, yeah, after he scored or yeah, something. Man, he yeah. wasn't like fights because he was fighting all the time, but, right? Um, but when he did, so it was like almost something you were looking, looking forward to seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it certainly was funny because he could do it, and, and then you know when you did some of that, not so much hot dog stuff, but you just uh, some of that showmanship. Yeah. You know, it pissed off the other team for mm-hmm. sure. So, but anybody who wanted to do anything about it had to fight. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you didn't have to fight anybody else. You had to fight him. So. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your memories of playing with Sean Byram? Uh, Bizey, yeah. Was it one year, year and a half? Yeah. I don't know. Just one year, a, one year. Yeah, yeah. Another guy, just uh, just a good old, good old boy. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I kind of look at him. You know what I mean? Just big. Dude, you know, and just like back in those days where you just kind of, he's funny, but kind of low key. And, uh, but same thing, just, just really, uh, you can tell he really liked it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you enjoy having guys like that on your team for sure. Uh, what do you, what do you remember about future Indians captain, Robbie DeMaio? I was like, for, for a guy, I remember, I remember him beating up. Don Knockbauer and mm-hmm. I was like Knockbauer was like one of the toughest guys in American League and, yep. and and him getting in there and he was just like you know just a junkyard dog mm-hmm. when it came to that kind of stuff and I don't think he ever ever backed down from anything nope. you know um, and uh, just a, a, a quiet kind of leader type guy mm-hmm. you know you could tell that you could yep. tell that right away just from his whole demeanor and stuff and a really good teammate, really good guy, and just he was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, because you knew he was, was going to get in there, you know. And you and you like guys like that, you know. Oh, yeah. You really like guys like that on your team, and the the way they play. And he was consistently like that, and obviously led to a, you know, mm-hmm. a uh, very good career. Yeah. Now, towards the end of the season, when uh, junior seasons are over and uh, guys get called up, I don't know if you have if you remember playing with these two guys because they were just the late season call ups, uh, Dean Ewan and Wayne Doucette. Yeah. Well, I remember both of them. Yeah. You know, and but like, you know, same thing, like you kind of into a new squad, you get mm-hmm. to know them briefly and then, mm-hmm. you know, that's about it. But yeah. but both guys coming in and then you're seeing these guys, big winger guys. And I'm like, it's another tough one couple of tough guys you yeah. know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like more and more toughness and you could tell that was the common theme there and those guys certainly had it for yeah. sure um so uh once you're free agent you end up signing with hartford i'm assuming that was just you know you feeling like i need a fresh start and uh hartford obviously wanted you well that was yeah it's just a uh, another opportunity there and you know it's just like it, it's funny you know you don't want to pinpoint things mm-hmm 
too much or, or just focus on certain things that, that but they set off a series of, of events, you know, always. And it always just seemed something was, was going to, at a certain point, it's like something was going to happen. Something was going to go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm in, <clears throat> I think it was in camp. Yeah. So I go there and so I, you know, get going and stuff and all right, here we go. And this, here's an opportunity. And, and then I got in the scrap and that I wasn't ready for, mm-hmm. or I should have been ready for, and I wasn't ready for, and ended up getting pushed back with my skate underneath me, and I ended up tearing a ligament in my ankle, and you know what I mean? So yeah. it was just like another one of those, oh, here we go, you know? So then I spent the rest of the camp rehabbing, and then got sent to Binghamton after that, so. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, it, you, like you say, one just, thing after another. Yeah, yeah, it just seemed that way, but, you know, whatever. I mean, it happens to... It's not just me, but it happens to a lot of guys, and and you know, and but you get you know, there's adverse situations. You you got to try to fight through them, and but you know, after a while, it wears on you. It yeah. wears on you certainly mentally, you know, for sure. Uh, two guys I want to talk about uh, with Binghamton. Uh, what are your memories of playing with Mark LaForge? Ah, uh, Mark, that guy was uh, loose. crazy. Loose, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like you know, because you got all these guys, different levels. Like I was kind of like. You know, you really had to pry me, and then I get my scraps. And there's other guys that were kind of, you know, designated. They were pretty regular at it, and you know, they had their reputation. You knew the name was out there, and and then there's always like there was a sprinkling of guys that were just like like way off the the deep end. You know what I mean? Like just just loose and crazy, and mm-hmm. and he was one of them, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the guy who had an amazing Krista Cup champion, and I believe at this time in Binghamton, he owned a very, very sweet mullet, and that's Jim McKenzie. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just remember how, how strong that kid was, man. Like, he was, like, for a big dude. Yeah. He was, he was like, he was ripped, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was ripped, and he was solid, you know. And he would, like, he would do like you know drills and in uh, practice, you know, whether it was coverage drills or three and three down low, or, or you know five and five in your zone. Or he, he was he, he was certainly hard to play against, yeah. You know, and and or cover or whatever, man. He, he just he was a tireless worker. And obviously very strong, but you could tell he he was uh, he he was tough. Very another tough, very tough. How did obviously. you end, yeah? How did you end up in Phoenix? Yeah, it's an interesting story there. Okay, I mean we had and you know this is just my own personal opinion. But, sure, you know, but I think it happened to a few guys there. Like we had Martin there, we had Al Tour there, we had you know we had a few guys and some guys have kind of been around and I think we weren't doing that well. For, for the squad that we had, for whatever. We weren't playing well for this guy that was coaching. We were we weren't. And, and, you know, it Daryl Ray and that. And we had some players, but we just, uh, I don't know, guys weren't happy or this. It just wasn't a good mix. So maybe the GM there, Johnson, came down, and he was like, we got us all in the room, and you know, I speak freely. Do whatever you want. We got to find out what's going on. We got to fix this thing, you know. So a few guys spoke up. You know, uh, I was one of them. And mm-hmm. I think uh, most of those guys ended up getting moved. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. 
I think it was like, uh, these guys are the problem. I don't know. I don't know what the reasoning was. or just seemed the timing seemed a little... Um, Coincidental? Suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At that time. So I'm not, you know, I can't guarantee this 100%. But right. uh, yeah, a few of us got moved after that. So that was one of them. Uh, following season, I guess the one-year deal uh, with uh, with Hartford. Maybe did you sign directly with Albany? Yeah, yeah. So after that, I came back, and then and then I ended up meeting up with uh, Davey Allison. Uh, he was coaching the uh, uh, team. He called me, and and uh, he remembered me from from the Phoenix days, or mm-hmm. and uh, when he was in, I think Muskegon. And so he was taking over. So yeah, he called me, and then we. We ended up meeting, and he said he'd like to bring you in, and so they ended up signing there, and it was going to be a new team, and in you know, in in way out here in the east, but in mm-hmm. uh, in the eye, so uh, it was interesting to say the least. Oh, if you only knew, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> well, but uh, yeah, so that that's how that ended up happening, and then that that team didn't make it anyway, so. Well, one guy I want to ask you about, if you remember fighting, and uh, he would, I think, also go along. Well, he's definitely one of those guys that toes the line, but he's definitely also one of the crazy ones. But I love him, and uh, and he, I think he fought everybody in the IHL that year, and that's Kevin Kaminsky, who was with Fort Wayne. Do you remember fighting Killer? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And I, that was another one I wasn't ready for either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I should have been, because the guy had kind of a reputation and stuff. And, and I think... It would, uh, I think too, with Boudreaux mm-hmm. being there at the time, I, he might have said something to me, mm-hmm. like at some point during the game, or, you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to go with this guy, or you, you don't want to fight this guy, you know, so, mm-hmm. something to that effect. I remember something along those lines, but it ended up, he just got to, he didn't get to drop me. I just went in as not an aggressor, but I was moving towards him. And before I knew it, I was I was down, and he was all over me. So it just it didn't turn into a a very good fight at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know. But it's just one of those things where, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, it definitely wasn't ready, or I wasn't when uh, I wasn't ready as I should have been. That's for sure. At, at what point in this season do you start hearing whispers about the team maybe not making it? through the whole season i mean there had to be whispers starting at some point or no maybe it just happened out of the blue yeah no there was i think i think some rumors and then and then one day we got down there and everything was locked up you know so that's wow. basically all that transpires so that's a and you know now i'm with you know guys like Stu bernie mike walsh and dale henry and guys you know all guys from, from the indians days there and uh yeah, so then after that, it was kind of like, and Gordy Paddock was there too. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a scramble after that. How did you end up in New Haven? Was there a dispersal draft? No, no. I think it just uh, I remember correctly. I think it was yeah, it was open and I, oh, okay. you know the agents still working stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so they're calling around. So they they must have found it and contacted me, and then I got in there and I met with uh, and Nick Teal and. And ended up ended up in back in New Haven for a brief stint, mm-hmm. but they were kind of like LH farm team, but but Phoenix was mm-hmm. a little bit too, right? You know, so if they're sharing guys, so it was kind of like a, I think that's how I ended up in, in the Phoenix as well. Well, your final year ninety one ninety two uh, traveling man to say the least. You played for four clubs. 
Uh, I think you started the year in Phoenix. And then you went to Erie of the ECHL. Uh, how did you end up going? You know, your your whole career was, you know, played the game on the island. You played AHL, IHL. How did you end up playing eight games in the coast? Um, just just through an old team. <clears throat> so what's a Phoenix situation? Kind of, they were getting more guys in from LA. And I was signed with Phoenix, so I wasn't signed with LA. So it was, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, kind of got weeded out in that regard. Um and so well, I was basically back home. I figured I was done. You know, I mean I was you know, it was enough's enough and but um buddy of mine called me and I played with Bob Bodak in, in, in uh in Springfield and he was like player assistant coach and he was kinda of just playing out his years and maybe looking to get into coaching, I don't know. But he called me up and he was like, you must have heard. And he said, hey, why don't you come here? And I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. I don't even know if I want to play anymore. But I don't know. He was one of those guys who could kind of talk into anything, mm-hmm. Burley. So yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I, I ended up going there and, and, yeah, you know, playing. So I'm like, all right, you know, I figure I'll just finish it out here and then maybe just that's it, you know what I mean, whatever. But, you know, have some fun playing and, and, you know, I got a buddy there. We hung out and lived together. And, you know, so seemed like uh, it was going to be okay just to kind of wind things down. And then uh, and then I got a call from Chris Pryor, my old, another old D partner. So just a, just a big loop of guys, you know, mm-hmm. as you, you as you kind of go through your career, you always end up running into each other, you know. Somebody, you know, as long as you, you know, see someone involved in the game, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh so I ended up going. That's how I ended up going to CDI. When you were with Erie, you played with one of the all-time legendary minor lifters, and that's Bob the Hammer Fleming. Uh, you was he there when you were there? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell yeah, me about him, playing he, with the Hammer. Yeah, because he. I remember him from freaking uh, junior. Like he was with uh, the Tigers, I think. Medicine okay. Tigers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was what? I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Because he, yeah, because he was he was tough then. Mm-hmm. He was. Same thing. He was he, he was stuff there. It was the same guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like after all those years, you know, and you um, see him again, and it's like this dude is exactly how I picture him to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like now that I'm on the same team with. Him. So before you hit CDI, you did play four games in New Haven, and uh, we have a mutual friend that you played with there, uh, Trevor Steinberg. So um, before I get into uh, a nickname that you had that Steiny told me about. Uh, what are your memories of playing with uh, with Steiny? I remember, you know, Steiny was like he's like one of those kind of torpedo type guys, man. He just you know straightforward, all in, fast, and 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 tough. You know, mm-hmm. so you know his, his style of playing on the ice, and he was a character too, mm-hmm. the funny, just one of those locker room guys, and and so um, I was. Whenever I, like, I was still kind of, yeah, because I was married and kids, so I still had a place here in Springfield. So I was kind of like, I would go back and forth to New Haven mm-hmm. as opposed to just, like, getting, another, you know, moving everything to there. Gotcha. But whenever we had back-to-back games or road trips or late road trips or whatever, I stayed at Steiny's place. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so yeah, so that's how we got to, got to know each other. And uh, we had, you know, obviously had a good time. We got along really well. You know, he's kind of one of those things where you click right off the bat. And, mm-hmm. and uh, but he was an easy guy to get along with. I mean, I think yeah. he was like that way with with a lot of guys. Mm-hmm. 
So it was a lot of fun. We always stay. We always we always had fun. We always so, had a good time. Uh, um. Yeah. And we, yeah. Regards to your next question, I honestly like I'm thinking about it. And, you know, I I I have it. I asked him. I know the reason. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I was going to tell you. So one of the things that uh, he told me was to ask you about the nickname that you had, which was Dusty Rhodes. And uh, when I had asked you about it, you said you really couldn't remember. So I, I got in touch with Steiny. I said, you know, Vern doesn't really remember about the nickname. So he said, the nickname given to you by Al, the Alvinator Tour. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and Al's nickname for Steiny was Nutbar. And apparently you were Dusty Rhodes in reference to your fashion sense, which included most of the time cowboy boots, Wrangler jeans, low tie. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I had to do, yeah, yeah. I knew it had to do with something Western, but I, I yeah, I couldn't remember that because I think of, yeah, when I was in Phoenix a lot, I wore bolo all the time. You yeah. know, and I, I always had boots, and, and so, yeah, I forgot about that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. I, I knew I had the explanation for you. Yeah. Al, Al was a, Al was a classic, man. That guy was, he's one of the funniest guys I ever met, I tell you. And, and Steiny's, I used to spend more time with him than I did. I used to go back to junior and, and how tough he was, but also just getting with him in bingo a little bit. And then, uh, you know, New Haven, uh, just what a riot. Mm-hmm. Really, really, really funny. But, uh, you know, get on the ice, man. The guy was the ultimate competitor for sure. And uh, I did promise Steiny that I would say hello to you from him. So in case he listens to this, I want, I want him to know. Yeah, yeah. my word. So, um, yeah. uh, you had mentioned that you got a call from Chris Pryor. You finished out your career four games of Capital District, and then uh, was it a family decision that it was time to hang him up, or was it the injuries? What what uh, what was the reason to retire? Yeah, I mean, there's that, and then there's you know, you know uh, one of my options. You know, right. what I mean, they they don't they don't you know they're not the phone's not ringing off the hook, so to yeah. speak. So you know what I mean. So now it's like. All right, you know, and so we made that decision to kind of just go that other route. You know, so you start doing this, and like you say, you know, a couple of young kids and married, you know, time time to go that other direction and get on with life, you know. And and then, you know, after I'd done that and, and got all prepared, and that was later in the summer when I ended up talking to Jimmy Robertson, I almost went back and played, and but it was like it made the decision, so you're kind of done, so you weren't. It was just playing some little pro-am in the summer and mm-hmm. just kind of messing around. So it wasn't like getting ready for camp, right. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So <clears throat> when I talked to him late in August. It was just like, he, he almost talked me into it, and and but it didn't happen, right. you know. So then, and that was it. That was it. Then I just kind of walked away and then, you know, um, you come September where you're not, you know, for the first time in a long time, you're not going anywhere. It's, 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 it's pretty tough, mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty tough. But then I ended up um, just jumping into to coaching right away. And so um, was involved with being on the ice and, and getting that going. So it wasn't completely off, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, that was it. That was, that's kind of how it uh, came to that final decision. You know, it was, it was just time to walk in. And uh, going to the next chapter. So what led to your decision to stay around Springfield? You made Springfield your home. You're still there to this day. I guess the Springfield Longmeadow area. Uh, what was uh, what went into that decision? Well, it was uh, 
when once you hear you spend that much time here, you know, and then uh, married a local gal, and 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 then we, once we started having kids, and then we, you know, a few of them, you know, ended up with four and mm-hmm. four young ones, and in a short period of time, in in about six years, and and then it was like. You know, I was going to school and I was working and, you know, so this looked like it was going to be where you establish your, your, uh, your roots. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I always wanted to kind of go back to a few places like, you know what I mean? Like that's, but for whatever reason, once you, once you get going into that next part of your life where you're, where you're working and just doing the regular, regular thing and, and then, you know, getting the some hockey people around here and stuff and um it just it just kind of transitioned it was an easy transition let's say that mm-hmm. and and, and, you, and i like the area too so yeah and you coached like you had mentioned that you uh started you coached a lot of uh youth hockey correct yeah i did that first mm-hmm. did that first and then uh then i ended up uh taking a little time off just because i had I did it for about three years and it was just time consuming and my kids were young and stuff. So I took like a year off and, mm-hmm. and then, uh, I got a call from Gary Janine. He was coaching a junior team here mm-hmm. and just to, you know, just come out and practice and then maybe just come on the bench for home games. And months I was back in there, I was hooked and I've been back in there ever since. So, um, so, we've spoken for two hours, by the way, thank you for this time. And it's been the Vern Smith show, but I need you to put on your proud dad hat for a minute. And, and I, I, you said four kids, I don't know anything about three of them, but I, I do know about one of your sons and actually Steiny told me about him first about uh, how musically inclined one of your sons is. And then when I, when I was researching him a little bit, I saw that he had quite the hockey career himself playing in the Quebec league and played, uh, played a few years pro and everything. So I don't want you to just showcase one of your kids. I just don't know much about the other three, but, uh, Willie Smith, this kid is uh, sort of a Renaissance man, isn't he? Uh, a little bit. He's, a, he's a kind of like, uh, I don't know, a little bit of artistic side to him, I guess. And, uh, I always kind of liked, liked music, you know, and, and picked it up, you know, in his teen years, briefly, you know, got into it and then kind of put it away a little bit. I mean, did some here and there, but, you know, and, and played around with, uh, it, you know, sporadically, let's say. And I think um, just over this past year with the whole the whole COVID thing and lockdowns and people at home, he, he got back into it again. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, he started a uh, like a weekly, like, so Facebook, uh, I'm going to put out a tune, you know, coffee with Willie or whatever, you know what I mean? Like, and it kind of caught on. So then he kind of got, got into it again, you know, and he found a little passion, you know, stirred that up and we started working at it, you know, and, and, and he really, uh, it's kind of taken off and it's really, it's kind of become his main focus now. And, you know, as long as you got a passion for something, I mean, uh, you know, get after it. And, uh, so that's what's going now. And, He's releasing some of his own tunes as well as doing covers, and he's uh yeah. He just actually, matter of fact, I was listening to one earlier. He just released one today, mm-hmm. brand new one on on Spotify. It's under Wyland W Y L E N, and uh, it's a it's a good tune, and he's doing a good job with it. So he's he's pursuing that, and uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, 
I, I mean, I'm sitting here, I feel bad for the kid because if there's anything girls don't like, it's a good-looking kid who plays hockey and guitar. I mean, you know, it, it's yeah. just like he has everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I, um, I, I am going to uh, – I follow him on uh, on Instagram. We follow each other on Instagram. Okay, cool. It's uh, Wyland underscore music. I urge everyone uh, to check it out. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I don't want to – I don't want to say – uh, well, you have three other kids. I don't know if you want to brag about your other kids, but I don't know anything about them, so uh, that's why I was talking about. Uh, yeah, no, and, there. And they're they're close in age, and, yeah. and you know they're they're really uh, they're really close to each other, you know. So their communication is just like they got their own little group chat. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they they they're constantly in contact with each other, and, and they're they're all you know they're so in tune with each other. They're all very supportive of each other, and they're. Uh, really good kids. Mm-hmm. Just you know, everybody says that about the kids, but they these these guys are some of the people for sure. Absolutely. So, so Vern, I, I'm going to conclude it with the question that I ask everybody: um, Is there anything that uh, that I didn't touch on in your career that you would like to talk about now? You know, I I, I think back on it, like there's like you know, there's highs and lows, you know, but there's highs and lows with everything, and and um, but it was it was something. That, you know the whole experience you know and, and some great some good some not so good and some bad you know and but when i think about it i would go back and do it again you know what i mean it was just like it's just such a such a good experience a good life experience and you know i just think the whole thing really uh i wouldn't trade anything i mean you know sure some of the bad times but you can't control everything but but there was there was enough uh, good stuff in there that I'd go back to a heartbeat for sure. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. You should be very proud of the career that you had. And, and as a, I always say the same thing to players, like if we've gone on to coach uh, kids, you've made an impact on so many lives that you may not even realize it, but uh, you know, a lot of times the coaches have such an impact on, on young people's lives. And uh, so you should be proud of your career and proud of what you've done afterwards, uh, coaching the kids. Well, it, it, it's uh, something that you know, hockey is is uh, it's for me. It's it's uh, it's a passionate sport. You know, just you know, from personal standpoint. So, I think it's like one one of those things where once it's there, it's it's always there. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it it's not going to go away. Like that, that little that ember and that little bit of fire and that passion. That's that's ingrained in you and it's just part of who you are. And so I, I really enjoy being a part of the game still, you know, yeah. especially with coaching and stuff. It's, it's fun. It's challenging. It's, it's interesting, you know, and, but it, it, it it's one of those things where you just, you're still learning the game too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a constant uh, process yeah. and uh, I enjoy it. I really do. That's awesome to hear. And uh, with that, I will thank you again for your time, Vern. This was awesome. I really appreciate you uh, allotting me this time and telling the story of your career with me. And uh, I wish you nothing but the best. And we'll keep in touch. All right. Well, I appreciate it. I I appreciate you having me on here. And it was uh, was fun uh, rehashing some of that stuff. And we we talked before and, you know, try to rack your brain and and recall. (laughs) And I think some of the stuff, the timelines might have overlapped or or scenarios or situations, but mm-hmm. um, it, it was certainly fun talking about it. And I uh, thank you for having me on.
Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good, Joe. All right. Have a great day. I think I've said it before where one of the coolest things about doing this show is that I either get to reconnect with players that I've known in the past that I've maintained a friendship with and also get to know guys who I've never met at all. And I have never met Vern and uh, it was great to talk to him, get a little information about his hockey journey. And I hope to meet Vern one day and uh, thank you very much, Vern Smith for your time. I wish you nothing but success in everything that you do going forward. And of course, uh, I hope Wyland, if he decides to go that uh, music route as a career, I hope he hits it big. I, I mean, honestly, he's way more talented than 99% of the crap that my wife puts on the radio, on the radio stations down here. So uh, uh, Wyland's an easy kid to root for because he actually has a, a decent amount of talent in the few songs I've listened to. So uh, so I, I'm hoping, uh, Wyland, if you're listening to this, I do hope that you put out some more stuff. I definitely will, uh, will be looking for it. So um, I normally don't tell you what's coming up next week, but... I think I got uh I think I got something pretty good pretty good coming up uh next week for you and uh I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because who the hell knows my uh my laptop could blow up between now and then but uh I think next week's content I think you guys will be pretty happy with it and uh that's it for now so everybody I hope you people enjoyed my chat with Vern Smith and everybody out there please stay safe